Hello. This episode of Cinema Swirl was brought to you with the support of our backers at Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl to find out how you can support the show and get some exclusive bonus content. Right, let's get swirling. Cinema Swirl! Ooh, this is going to be great. It's episode number 48. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's your old pal, Kevin, alongside OTP Sam Chapman. How you doing, Tam? Um, very well. Did you just call me Tam, then? Tam <laughs> Chaplin. I'm good, thank you. Very well. Yeah. Are you excited to go not just to Hollywood, mm. but to the Viewersk universe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've always, I've always thought that we take a kind of sideways glance at the the world of of Hollywood. So maybe this yep. our view has, in a way, been askewed. Askewed. This sounds like it's right up my avenue. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking today. It's Dogma has officially won. Dogma, dogma is won. Our, our choice. It was very close at the top between Dogma and Clerks. 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 That Clarks is a very different movie. Okay. <laughs> this is a shoe, shoe movie. It's a shoe movie, yeah. Yeah, sure. But Dogma won. Lots of votes, lots of engagement on the socials. <laughs> now, it, now, the great thing about engagement, right, mm. is that engagement is one of those great terms that is kind of, it's so vague. Yeah. That, you know, to say like people were there and they were engaged. Now, they could be engaged in hate-filled comments, but that's still engagement at the end that's of the still, day. It's guys, you know? they're getting out there, they're getting engaged, they're getting misinformation, they're growing hateful biases, they're engaged. But what was the level of engagement like a, yay, we're doing Kevin Smith, or why are you lot doing blooming Kevin? I've heard of Kevin Mahan, uh, but Kevin Smith, you know, was, was there any of that like noise? I don't think so. I had a look through the people seemed enthusiastic. So we are today talking, of course, about Dogma, mm-hmm. which is going to be interesting. One thing as we spent far too long, really, when you think about it for a movie podcast, introducing my pal to movies that he's not seen vis a vis Hollywood, California. Yeah. But we've spent a lot of time talking about religion on this podcast. We have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that we have got requisite background knowledge to enjoy this. I have many questions mm. about your exposure, lack thereof, to both Kevin Smith, Dogma, God. and this whole world <laughs> we're, we're tipping our toe into. But before we do that, let's get dogmatic about mail in bags. You're in the bags of mail. Hi, welcome to the mail bag. I thought we should pluralise it. We're in the the mail's bag. No, mail bags. We're in the mail bags. Oh, because there's so many. There's so many. That we've had yeah, to put it into... Yeah, the engagement, so much engagement. So much. The audience is so engaged. Welcome to the mail bags. Yo. Let me just take a dip into one of them. Oh, well, if this thing now, you have, a, you have your choice of two. There's <laughs> mail bag A... And there's also mailbag number oh, two right. over here. This is, this is like what happens on The Chase. Do you watch The Chase? I, I, I've watched enough Chase to get your obtuse okay, references to During the to final it. chase, when they pick between set A of questions and set B, <laughs> whenever they pick set B, my mum's like, well, they fucked it. That's that's all done now. Because they pick you set... Idiot. Well, she doesn't A's swear like that. Letter. But she's like... 
<laughs> I can't remember if it's set A or B, but she's like, one of them you won't win if you pick it. So, so I've gone with set A, which is... <laughs> it's like when my mum used to watch Deal or No Deal. They're like, I'm going to pick that box over there. They're like, oh. you idiot. And then it's like, 250,000. Like, I told you. I told you. Like, what? <laughs> Are you clairvoyant? <laughs> what, what what is what is going on? <laughs> now enough time has passed from deal or no deal that we can all go. Hang on, people were engaged, reckoning they knew how this worked. I love deal or no deal just because people would think they had a strategy and they'd be really into it. I loved it. I loved it so much. I love the Dream Factory. I love the Pilgrims. <laughs> it was fantastic. I did statistics to like my final year in university yeah, yeah, yeah. and as part of my masters there was a mandatory statistics module sure. i've got statistics coming out my fucking arse and eyeballs yeah and even i know that it was a random ass game oh Maybe yeah sure. it wasn't meant for me like i don't know no. there's one exciting episode where someone went just from left to right they just opened the boxes from left to right and i was like that is just as random as if you pick them randomly but it doesn't feel as random it's very exciting oh, but Edmonds was livid. Livid he was. <laughs> how dare you come into the Dream Factory with that kind of horseshit? You, how dare you? You know what? You were going to be leaving the Dream Factory here with the cure for cancer, but I'm not going to give it to you now. That's I'm keeping that for myself. <laughs> Very strange man, Noel Edmonds. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, which which mailbag are you going for then? Is it A or B? Set A. I'm going with Set A. Oh, he's fucked it there, guys. That's an A. At home now, we're all just going, no, mate, no, no. That's the bad mailbag. That's where all the really tough questions... Oh, First, this guy takes the minus offer, and then he goes for set A. What a <laughs> bugger that guy is. This first question reads as follows. Hello, Cinema Swirl host base, which is a nice name for us. Oh, we're the host base. And the host base? As opposed to the fan base. That seems like a kind of... If someone told me they've given me this apple tart or a mm. nice open-faced sandwich... And it's on a host base. I'd be like, ooh, very, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good idea, Kevin. We should host base about it later. But um, this I question think so, yeah. <laughs> is as follows. With your reviews mostly being films that have been released in theatres, I'm curious to know about your thoughts on movies that don't receive a theatrical release. What, in your <laughs> opinion, are some of... Which are movies just the same <laughs> as those that are in theatres. Are some of the gems in the made-for-TV or straight-to-DVD universe. Thanks for your entertainment, <sighs> Eric J. Any thoughts on this? Have you seen any straight-to-video classics? I mean, that's more of a swill question, I imagine. That is very much... Yeah. And like, kind of, there is a part of me that wonders if it's a rule we should introduce in the swill over mm. on Patreon that we should only do movies that have had a theatrical release. Yeah. Because oh, I feel okay. that it's, it's kind of cheating a little bit otherwise because the, the short answer to your question mm. is, like, is there any like fun to be had with... With V8 straight to DVD or VHS, whatever. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's it is almost like shooting fish in a barrel. There was a point in time when Poundland used to sell horror movies. Mm. You were guaranteed to laugh, like you know, almost the point where like I I used to be really much like my thing was like watching kind of bad movies on DVDs or direct to DVD stuff. Yeah, and I kind of feel like. It's almost like an overly saturated market. Too easy. It's not, yeah, it's not just like, oh, someone tried to make a movie and they did a bad job and it didn't get a proper release. There's people there who like make movies trying to mm. aspire downwards. I think it's funnier the idea that a bad movie was made, made its way into theatres and was yes. still appalling. I think that, yeah, the barrier to entry to somehow break through that into theatres and still be piss poor. Yeah, even if it is something like Tommy Vizzo, like, literally buying a cinema or whatever the fuck it is he did. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have my own cinema, motherfucker. Part of that barrier to entry is just money, and if you can throw money at that, then fair enough to you, you've 
you made it through. But yeah, I mean, with with my love of wrestling, I've watched many a straight to DVD classic over oh, the sure. years. Yeah, and there are some particularly poison straight to DVD and straight to video classics in the Disney universe as well, particularly. Oh, some of the Maybe sequels. Yeah, Lion, Lion King, King three, two and three. two quarters oh. or some shit. Yeah, Simba's Revenge. <laughs> Yeah, Disney did do a lot of those. And now I'm thinking, like, were they some spin-off sub-Disney company? I don't know. Was it like... No, it was, it was Disney. Disney. It was just like, let's make... But do you think it was their main animators? Do you think it was, like, nah. the, the proper crack team? But we're, we're just... This one's for the DVD, lads, but it's just as good. It wasn't going to be... If I good. recall, Robin Williams did come back for, like, Aladdin 3 or whatever really? it was on, on video. They're like, and Robin Williams is back. I'm like, God, things must be going pretty bad for him. Like, you know, if that's... <laughs> Okay, missed out Aladdin 2. Yeah. Aladdin 3, I'll dip my toe right back <laughs> in those waters. And what about all of the several issues you had with the use of your likeness and image and performance to promote toys and stuff that you said was against the ethos yeah. of your... Pro- oh, no, he's okay with it now. That's all right. <laughs> that's, that's all right. That's, that, it worked out um, for the best. One there. of my favourite that I've seen but not actually watched... Now, I mean, as in visually, I've seen the DVD box. Is Poundland's, I think, like Kick Punch Panda or something like that. Some kind of Kung Not Fu. Not Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it, it's basically the same 3D model of a panda, but it, with slightly different wording. But, but Sam, I mean, that movie's obviously got a bit of a leg up on a lot of its competition because that is literally standing on the shoulders of giants <laughs> in, in, in the seminal classic Kung, Kung Fu, Fu panda. panda, which will be coming to Cinema Swirl. Next episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you, Eric, for that email. Next question. Well, th- there's an interesting thing about this. So this email, it came in in Irish. So it was all f- all Irish looking. I couldn't read any of the words. How, how was that for you now? That must have been something I like... I felt somewhat insulted. Somewhat... <laughs> <laughs> no, Why no, and no, how? Okay. <laughs> As in, this email is not... D- doesn't seem like it's directed at me. Oh, right, because yeah. it's an Irish, you think it's kind of like a secret code for me from the homeland. Yeah, they're like, oh, Sam won't be able to decipher this. But uh, the joke's on you, because my Gmail inbox has a handy and presumably extremely accurate translate feature. So I am able to read this email. And now you're going to think that all Irish people speak in broken language. <laughs> Here we go. They don't have the past tense in Ireland, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Hello, friends. So not just to you. I like when swirl Irish cinema. It's wonderful mm-hmm. that the Protestant Englishman learn our language. The, that's you! That's me. The, that's uh, you! <laughs> the Irish swirl may we get your feel. Buffedia movies, like The Commitments, The Butchers... Sorry, Buffedia movies. Beth... It's, it's a, Spell the word! Sorry, it's a B-H. Yeah. F. E with a yeah. little, little line on it. Fodder. Yeah. Pardon? And then deer, as in D-E-A-R. Right, okay, so that that right there, that that's an Irish word, is what that oh, is. Oh, that's not And that, that has slipped through the net a little bit there. Uh, you know, it's like okay. when you open up a tin of tuna and you just get a little bit of dolphin in there. So, yeah, oh, right. you know, mistakes are, get made, unfortunately. Okay, so, Fedia movies, like The Commitments, The Butcher's Boy, The Van, Black 47, The General, My Name is Yu Ming, Into the West. And that's the end of that sentence. Thank you, James... But in Irish, it was Seamus. You didn't know that. I didn't know that Seamus was Irish James. Yeah, Shamey is basically Irish Jimmy. <laughs> is it? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I've learned. There you go. That's 
I mean, I never knew that. And assumedly the writer that. that likes when the Protestant Englishman learns a new word as well. Yeah. So, yay! It makes sense now I'm looking at it. Isn't it? But I never thought that. I never got yeah, that. It, ah. It's nice and reassuring to know that Google has a lot of the same difficulties and barriers to entry with the Irish language that I myself had as a teenager. Mm. Not really great with the word order, the tenses. Uh, certain words, you just kind of go, ah, fuck, I'm not doing that one, mate. Like That is very true to my experience of Irish. Like. I, I think the rough gist is... Are you guys going to do any Irish films? And we, we've had requests before yeah. for Irish Sword, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The, uh, the short, yes, yes, we will. Okay. We will do, definitely do, do one. Right. The only question is trying to actually narrow it down because I, like, I would love to show you a movie that obviously makes you feel really bad about the fundamental fact that you are English. Sure, that, sure. you know, like, you know, a Michael Collins or The Wind That Shakes the Barley might seem good. Yeah. But also, I may, like, kind of want to make you feel kind of like, bad for Ireland in a more general sense okay. and that makes sure something like the field or something like that you know so uh, we'll have to dwell on this and if you are any any Irish listeners do you want me to feel any when- positive feelings mm-hmm. no <laughs> no 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 sure okay yeah I mean, I, I, if uh, Sam, if we do our job here, you will feel ashamed of the shame. You know, that's kind of what the right. <laughs> level I'm aiming for. It's kind of a compacted yeah. amount there. But any Irish listeners, do send me some hot recommendations because, you know, the commitments might make us think that, oh, we're, we love a laugh and love to drive buses and stuff like that. And I'm not sure if that's what I want the well, vibe to get fun. across. We, we need an honest vibe across, bearing in mind the affliction of my co-host, okay. which he cannot help that he is English. Yeah. So, yeah, you can you can hit us up on, on Facebook or Twitter with some suggestions for yeah. Irish swirl. If you, if you do send those in in Irish, bear in mind I can Google Translate them, and it is perfect. So <laughs> 100% yeah. accuracy. Yeah. And when we record it, what we'll do is we'll just put the audio through... In uh, translated yeah, into yeah. Irish that way. Sure. Because I think that's just fair to <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> Those questions came in from cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. This last question comes in from facebook.com forward slash cinemaswirl. I like we're getting the rotation here. Yeah, now. yeah. This is good. This is good. I just don't like you getting all of your stuff from that shop over there. I don't like that man. <laughs> I, I, I just love the engagement on the socials. Um, <laughs> hi, Kevin and Sam. Are there any classic films that Sam has seen and Kevin has not? Could this lead to some kind of reverse swell similar to an Australian toilet flushing? And that's from Chris in Australia. Guys, we fucking did it, yeah? Already done it, mate. We've already done it. If you don't know, we watched a classic film that Kevin hadn't seen that I had seen. That film was, of course, Suicide Squad, which is available... Now on our yep. Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash cinema I knew this would happen. I knew it would happen. We were, we were going on all cylinders with our, our lovely little Patreon, with mm. our lovely backers over there, and we're all having a lovely time. Yep. And I knew it would come when there was finally an episode where we were both genuinely embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> to say that we've done it. So yes, we have done a reverse swirl, and we hit all the criteria. Had Sam seen it? Yes. yes. Had Kevin not? No. Yes. yes. Did it have... Jared Leto in it, yeah, baby. You know, yeah, mm. I had all of that. You know, all the all the hallmarks of a classic. Honestly, since we started Cinema Swirl, we've we had requests for some sort of reverse swirl. Mm. Um, it's been one of the most requested things for us to do. It's it's quite a difficult one because I've seen a lot of movies and yeah. you've and not. not. 
Yeah, so it's, it's hard. It's, hard, it's very hard to find those. D- the very nature of this podcast, I think Avatar is that. That's one I have seen. Avatar, you yes. have seen it technically. Yeah, and you? you haven't. Yeah, I've not. No, no. Well, well. <laughs> I mean, well, Jesus, to stand alongside shoulder to shoulder with Suicide Squad. I'm delighted that that's the first reverse swell that we've done. That makes me very happy. That after all that build-up and people asking, it's, it's Suicide Squad. This is a fun episode. We had a great time. But I'm From Sam and Kevin here at Cinema Swirl, we are sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all your questions. If you've got any more, send them on in to cinemaswirl at gmail.com or on the socials. Or on the socials. Can I say the socials? Com? This, uh, and that's cinemaswirl at gmail.com yeah yeah caught on the first bounce it's alright Sam mm. Kevin Smith what do you know about the man himself the man who's starring in this movie wrote the bloomin thing right. and only he's going to go and direct it I'll tell you what I know about Kevin Smith I know he was formerly a big lad. Yeah. He still always wears like a hockey jersey and a black coat. Like a very big I hockey jersey. I know what jersey. he looks like. He looks like a big hockey jersey that is like a little face yeah. he's out of. And hello, I'm going to make some movies. I also know he's he's quite the good storyteller on, say, a late night show. He, uh, oh, yeah. As in the the, the kind of the, the routine of an like, anecdote. hey, you got something to promote. Yes. And um, before I promote my thing, I've got something small I wish to promote. My anecdotes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's, he's good with his anecdotes. I heard about him having a heart attack, and that's why he's lost a lot of weight recently. That, um, is, the, mate, that is the funniest heart attack story <laughs> ever, though, mate. It is. It is. But he does seem quite funny and interesting to listen to. He's a, he's so a, you, you liked what you've seen of him yeah, so far. I've seen so him. you have seen him as a personality on late night. You've seen him- yeah, late night shows, little clips here and there. I know he's a podcaster. I know he's very into his podcasting, whatever that is. I don't know, but I'll never get, no get idea. over like, you know, no idea. Have you have you listened to any of his of his pods then? No. No, okay. <laughs> no. But I know they're very popular. They are, yes. Yeah. I know he likes comic books. I know he might have been in the running to direct a Batman or something like that. And yes, also maybe right. a Prince documentary or something. I've heard like so you watch one Kevin Smith clip. And then on your YouTube recommended, it's like, ah, oh, Kevin Smith slags off Prince about the time he went to Prince's Prince Ranch or whatever it is. Oh, Kevin Smith has a go at Super... Oh, it's Superman he was going to do. He's going to do Superman or Batman? Something. I, I, I remember hearing a Batman story. Right. The, the, the problem with me here now is that, like, literally with Kevin Smith, I was yeah. the biggest fan in the world biggest fan okay and then literally as soon as i turned 21 maybe 22 and with social media stuff i don't know what it was maybe say you start making like the movies from this world that i love so much or i grew Mm. out of it but i just kind of had a a cold hard stop so you were a huge fan massive massive we are about to watch possibly one of the biggest moments from my like from my childhood i or i remember seeing this and there's very few things that i can compare it to in terms of like you know when you see something when you're a kid and i'm not sure if you got this feeling as much because you obviously missed out a lot of these yeah, movies yeah. but there's a feeling where it's like wait a minute this exists and there's loads of things like this like this form of humor mm. or entertainment exists i think i got that feeling when i first watched wrestling when yeah. I first saw the Big Lebowski, and like when I first saw the Talking Heads, right. you know, like just yeah, yeah. stuff like that, where it's like, wait, this media can include this type of thing? Okay, so, whoa. whoa, yeah, and okay. very much a, a mind-blowing situation. So yeah, for me, Dogma was was my first. Clerks, 
mall rats yeah. chasing Amy. You know, I was, I think I was the ideal age, much like with wrestling when I was a kid. It's like, mm. whoa, this ain't for no eight or nine year old boys. This is meant to be for 18 to 24 male demographic. Sure. But on, with they, when that is getting there with kind of raunchy humor and, you know, gross mm. kind of sick humor and, you know, silly drug humor and hot babes and lots of jokes about nerdy shit. Like, yeah. that was the thing. Nerdy shit. Jokes about that. You know, that that's kind of... That was a quite a huge, overwhelming type of a, an experience. I feel like as a kid, you know, by the time Clerks 2 came out, where it's like, oh, this is going to be a reflecting about being older, I was like 20, I think. So I kind yeah. of felt I grew up with the franchise, yeah, yeah. this type of thing, you know. But like, what Dogma were obviously going to do, I think yeah. Dogma was probably the most popular. Had you heard of any of those other movies? Well, like Clerks or Chasing Amy or Mallrats or... I, I knew about Jay and Silent Bob as characters what do you know about jay and silent bob kevin smith is silent bob what's his what's his gimmick he's silent he doesn't say anything because that that movie the jay and silent bob strike back i think or something like that yes yes was it seemed like a big deal when i was like i don't know 12 or something it was coming out i can't remember how old i was but it was coming out and people it was 2002 or one i because i was like 14 when it came out yeah. you would have been like 10 then right okay so yeah it seemed like a big deal to the older kids so say we'd have been in the same school i would have maybe heard rumblings from some of those older kids that this thing was coming out and this was kind of edgy i never went to go and see it because i was a tiny boy but i heard about it did it come across as being like oh that's some nerdy shit or that's like oh that's some naughty boy stuff like it was cool and different in terms of kevin smith films that i have seen i've seen one which is Zach and Mary make a porno. Oh, okay. Now that's she'll point out with some of his mm. movies, they're set in this kind of shared universe and there's characters and places and things that are, you know, frequent throughout those. That wasn't Chief one of which, them, was it? No, it's nah. not. And that was I think that was actually the last movie of his that I actually saw. And right. then like after that I was kinda like, Oh, he's grown up, he's made a nice sweet romantic comedy. I guess he's not gonna make dick and fart jokes anymore, mm. so I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I remember that film having some gross bits, but kind of just being quite nice, ultimately. It has, it was, I, I, I enjoyed movie, it. Right? Yeah. yeah it I right. mean, I saw it 11 years ago. I assume it's it's held up robustly. <laughs> um, and the only other thing I know about Dogma specifically, well, I know who's in it. I've seen the DVD cover. But I have seen the DVD quite often because an ex-girlfriend of mine, her mum was Christian and would... I think, work at the church or volunteer there or something. Quite a a devout Christian, you would say. But kind of like one of these cool Christians. She had Dogma on DVD. And I think, I said, what's that? And she said that she'd used it to show some of the kids at this kind of like after school thing. Yikes. Yeah, and I was like, what? What is this? I don't... So that always puzzled me about that film, because she was very, you know, a devout Christian, quite mm-hmm. religious, but had dogma and used it for some reason to show kids something. I think these might have been teens. I don't know. All right, these, these, they've got to be some rowdy-ass fucking yeah. teens, because, like, there's, you know, there is some pretty pretty on the nose. I mean, I, this is really difficult for me. I've not seen this movie in so okay. long. So, and, you know, there's a lot of movies where we have done it on the podcast where, yeah, I've not seen it in so long, but, you know, when I saw it or I was watching it in my 20s or whatever, I watched it a bajillion times. Yeah. But I think I, like, the thing with Dogma was that it was a great movie to introduce to people. Yeah. So I showed a lot of friends it when I was, like, between the ages of 12 and 16. Yeah. But once I get to like, university and I made my friends, it's kind of like, you're, you'll know this stuff already. You, you know it, like. Mm. So it, 
it was watched less in, in that sense then. But I would imagine that if you are a very devout Christian sort, yeah. that they are, this would not be particularly I got the sense a that cup it, of tea yeah, for you. It had some yeah. risque stuff in I, it. I don't want to spoil right. anything. That's I get, it. I mean, I get I that sense like, just from it being Kevin Smith and it vaguely, I know that it's kind of about religion somehow. Yeah, and it has a bit of a budget as well, which was... Probably the first time would have kept, you know, a lot of the Kevin Smith movies were mm. made on either shoestring or like, you know, totally non-existent budgets. Whereas this one has a bit of right. of oomph behind it. We've got some choice names in this big boy, let me tell you. We've got the Affleck Damon combo. You do. That's 1999 royalty right there, I folks. Don't know if we've seen either of them in any swirls yet. We saw Affleck in Swill in Suicide Squad <laughs> briefly. Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> Jesus. But no, I know those guys. They're big movie stars. I've seen Armageddon. Ooh. I've seen oh. Argo. I've seen Ocean's Eleven. A, you've seen Ocean's Eleven? I've seen well, Ocean's you've seen 11. it all, baby. Yeah. So I know them. They're in it. Now, I've got one question for you. Yeah. You said you were a big Kevin Smith fan, and then you kind of moved on from Huge. that. Huge. Massive. Massive. Has he done anything wrong? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, probably. Here's the thing. It's, it's difficult for me to say that with any authority. Yeah. As he said... You know, he's. This is the thing. He's got a podcast. I feel he's you know, probably said some we've, we've barely got fifty episodes of this podcast, mm. and it feels like there's probably infinite hours of us talking on the internet. Yeah. and he has so many podcasts, mm. and he's been on. You know, I've not listened to a single one of his, and I can't say, yeah, all nine million episodes of the Smodcast, he's not said anything bad. Or yeah, with regards to the movies, though, mm. I think it's going to be a case, and this is me having not seen it since I was literally eight. 18 years old i think yeah but i'm gonna imagine that there's a lot of like tropes of the time that would have aged quite poorly okay and i think some of the drug jokes in a world where you know in an america where marijuana is decriminalized in a lot of states may seem a bit kind of lame sure and i think that the treatment of women in certain respects might be a lot to be desired i know that clerks is aged pretty badly in terms of it's surprisingly a guy in his early 20s in the early 90s writing about relationships isn't the most well-informed person for no. 21st century so i should i should bear in mind that this is of its time yes yes but in terms of him coming out and saying something like really like objectable or hateful or something like nothing that, that you can think of none that i can like, think of that springs big to mind ticket, like <laughs> fuck this guy stuff i mean he called his kid harley quinn and then yeah. like, he went on and on and on his podcast and stuff about how hot harley quinn is and he always talks like he's, he's overshared with relating to masturbating and stuff it's just like 60 minutes of kevin smith talking about beating off yeah yeah and it's like all right he's yeah. Obviously, grown up a lot in the last few years, but I'll tell you what. As I've seen this many times, mm. I will do a cursory glance online yeah. to check if he has. Because you just have this kind of look in your face, like you I have this feeling. Yeah, I don't know. He has like a Louis C.K. vibe. Like something's gonna got to come out about. There's got to be you know. something there, just from because I, I, I think there's a lot of people who were big fans and now are not big fans. Yeah, and. and even the separation you, of the art and the artist. Even I think if that you is, grow out of something, you, it feels like he's not—he's very fondly regarded by some people and not 
by others. And I'm just wondering where that comes from. Like, I'm pretty sure if I never saw Kevin Smith's stuff mm. and it was introduced to it now, I probably would, like, look down my nose at it a little okay. bit. I kind of need to... I, that's I'm going to be judging this now with... Obviously, there's going to be a lot of nostalgia with this because I've not seen yeah. it in so long. But I also kind of have to ask myself, like, would... Like, I don't blame someone who would see these movies now and kind of be like, Jesus, what the fuck is that all about? It's very much like kind of a... Mm. I don't know if it has a you had to be there, you had to be a teenager in the in the mid to late 90s yeah. to truly appreciate this very specific strand of, of, of body humour. But like... I'm thinking, though, that the stuff that I loved most about because when I was a kid, I was a little fucking prude. Like, I didn't like mm. if there was loads of, like, jokes about drugs and naked ladies Coarse and language. stuff. Coarse language. Mm. But the stuff I loved about it most was the, the references to sci-fi it, it and was pop nerdy. culture. Yeah, it was one of the first times where it's like, God damn, here's a filmmaker who is just wearing his heart in his sleeve saying, I love the nerdy shit that fucking was the concrete building blocks of Hollywood in the 70s and 80s. I had that you know? about space. I think a lot of people yeah, had that about space as very well. Similar much thing. Similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering oftentimes with space similarly and, you know, Shaun of the Dead and a lot of that mm. kind of world that if I was to visit it eyes unseen as a crusty old 30-year-old if I might not have a slightly different opinion on it. Perhaps. But, I mean, wait, like, do you like a body comedy? You know, like, kind of... Because you, 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 there's some crack... Like, Pineapple Express, I think, is a fucking mm. masterpiece of, like, crude humour. I do love silly. I love daft. Yeah. Even sometimes slightly kind of edgy, maybe? I don't know. It's... Yeah. I think so. I think I can deal with crude humour and, you know, shock jockey-type goofs. I'm all there, right with There that. are definitely points in kevin smith's career yeah where his attempts to be shocking or kind of edgy or yeah. kind of you know as like kind of look they're giving me money to make a big movie i can't believe i'm getting away with this man you know kind of whoa dude i can't believe you put a masturbation scene in your big hollywood movie but i will say we are about to watch hmm. possibly the, one of the finest gourmet slices of kevin smith this is uh, for right. many people peak smith and i think this is his movie that has the broadest appeal from this universe, I should say. Yeah. This is the movie that has the broadest appeal. And for many folks, it was an entry point because it was, you know, in the cinemas a lot. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm, I, think, I think I'm excited. I think. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Know. I'm curious. You're curious. I'm curious. It might be right up your alley. We'll find out if you and I could have been friends when I was 15. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but w- what we'll find out is if 20... Eight-year-old me would have been friends with fifteen-year-old you, which something about a, that is not good and at if all. And if you find that to be the case, the relevant authorities <laughs> will be alerted. Like, and then we'll have to have a chat about separating the art from the artist in the next episode of Cinema Swirl, where we replace you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are you are you ready for this one? I'm ready for this. Yeah, you got your comfy hockey top on. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big coat. I never. Oh, take you're a big coat. All right, let's uh, turn our caps backwards and let's go do a cinema swirl We're back. Woof, woof. That was some dogma action right there for you, folks. (laughs) 
And <laughs> man, you know, that movie was certainly something I saw 20 years ago. Sam, mm. initial gut reaction to Dogma, your first trip into the View universe. What I will say is that if I'd have watched this when I was 15, mm. I would have felt very smart for having watched it. Ah, I see. I see. I see. But now, I, I, it feels like one of those things that's really like a teenage thing, you know? I get well, He would have been older than both of us now when he made it. I know, but like, I think it was... <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the vibe I got was that it's that kind of slightly smart-alecky, here's a kind of cool, kooky, twisted kind of take on religion. Sam, are you saying it's not about comedy, it's about beliefs? Yeah, to go, to go deep for us there, from the get-go. I'm not saying I hated it up front. No, I'm no, saying, no. you know, I think I would have appreciated it more as a younger man, but there was some stuff to take away from that film. Okay. Taking it away with me. There, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, mm. Two hours and 12 minutes thereabouts to unpack. Sure. This is a much, much, much longer movie than I remember. think it's going to be... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I swore like Kevin Smith, it was all like you know punchy little little comedies and all. That, but this is his first kind of like epic. I must say, I am quite happy the way that your sentence went there at the start because mm. I was worried you were about to say if I saw this when I was a kid, I would have felt so smart. But I, I watched as an adult, and now I feel so goddamn dumb. <laughs> I, I was really worried that you had tied up in a little package there, and there was nowhere for us to go. <laughs> Just the credits roll, it's all over. That's the end of the podcast, folks. Thank you for your professional ambiguity, Sam. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It remains a mystery what I truly thought of this film now as a late 20s man. This is hard, though, for you and I, though, in this Mm. kind of... Like, because this is 1999, I guess, and we've established that you would not have been a teenager. You would have been, like, a a lad. Like, you would have been been a a wee lad. Yeah, yeah, definitely not not, not, old not the time frame. <laughs> no. well, I think we could have maybe try and be empathetic towards where each of us was, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it, and see how we would have potentially enjoyed this differently. Because I'm not going to yeah. lie, it was a much different watching experience for me now than it was. Sure, yeah, I can imagine. And it was one of those watching experiences where I felt like a proper grown-up film podcaster because I noticed things like the camera... And the direction. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got a fucking lot to say about that later on. Okay. Now, right off the bat, what we start off with here is kind of a disclaimer about, hey guys, sorry if this offends you, but please don't be offended. Yeah. Even God has a sense of humour, because look at the platypus, am I right? And they think, oh, well... that's it for the disclaimer. And then there's a disclaimer about platypuses. The, yeah, it's like, it's, it's so, sorry so if funny. I offended the uh, platypus community there. Sorry, guys. Well, we all know the politically correct PC loony left brigade from 1999. Yeah, the platypus Tell you right, right now, let's get out of our systems. Platypus is a cracking animal. Oh, right? great, yeah. Oh, fucking love a platypus. Duck build? Yes, please. Yeah, uh, it it eluded classification for dozens of years. Are they in the mammals? London... They are mammals. They're yes, mammals. Yeah, but they are monotremes in that they're the only mammals. They're a group, very small group, which has spiny echidnas as well, where they produce milk. Yeah, but they have no nipples. So the milk falls down these kind of grooves within the platypus's Whoa. sternum. I know. And it, it eluded classification for many, like many eggs? years. 
They do, but they're soft egg eggs. They lay them out, but they're they're soft, wobbly eggs. Oh. So they're neither beast nor fowl in many respects. But uh, wow. yeah, because people kept sending sending platypuses to like the Natural History Museum and the Zoological Museum. <laughs> Say, what the and fuck is this? Yeah, like <laughs> stop it! Like stop this like viral pranking that's going on. Like you know, it was uh, uh. out of control. So yeah, the platypus like. It was only noted to exist long after it was actually, mm. you know, it had been discovered. Yeah. And I, I love platypuses. They also have a very mild poison in their claws. So, uh, ah. yeah, I just think it's worth pointing out because I don't live anywhere near platypus, Sam. I don't know about yourself now in Nottingham if you'd be getting <laughs> them down there now around <laughs> this time of year. like. But I would feel if I saw a platypus, I'd be like, Whoa! And I'd want to yeah, against my better judgment, you mild know? Mild poison. I don't want a mild poison, nah. you know? Or I don't want to get my hand on any of its milk grooves, you know? That's going to be sweet. Now, with regards to this disclaimer, though, sure. here, I wrote down this was very passive-aggressive. It was. But only, it seems that now, but back then, it, it felt... V- I thought it was very clever, like, you know? Well, yeah. Thought, oh, yeah, is, yeah. Straight off the bat, um, this is the thing I'm talking about, how, as a teen, I would have been like, yes... That's cool. But now I'm like, I think maybe the last five years of comedians on Twitter has kind of put me off the whole kind of, uh, don't be offended by this kind of, comedy's about comedy, man. You can make jokes about anything. I think that offensive comedy is followed not too closely, but somewhat closely Hmm. by comedians discussing the issue of offense yes. in comedy. <laughs> but this this little disclaimer, this reminded me of like when I did stand-up comedy in secondary mm. school at the talent show, and I was like, all right, teachers, let's all be, when are we all cooler jets here, yeah? I know you're all going to be offended about my hot takes about Mr. McGeady, but uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun here, so don't get all, you know, don't get all flustered, and, you know, it very much, it, I... I admire it in Kevin Smith. It's an interesting start. You know what? It It is. It sets the tone a bit. I admire the boy-like charm to it, Mm. if you know what I mean. And this is going to sound so fucking condescending. And I don't mean at all, because he's older than I am here when he's made the movie. Yeah. But, like, when you grow up, it is very easy to lose the sense of silliness or the sense of kind of... You know, there's a lot to be said for juvenile humour and... the hijinks and whatnot. Yeah. And he had a lot of soul-crushing experiences in Hollywood, even at this earliest point in his career. And to still have that in his heart, I think that's an altogether good thing. Mm. Even if it means we get slightly too many dick and fart jokes per minute on the average. And this, it feels like a straight away an example of Kevin Smith stamping his personality on his work. Did you get a sense of him that soon then into the movie? Yes. You, you're like, oh, this is the work of its author. <laughs> I can see basically the outline of a big coat and a hockey jersey yeah. here. Like. I know who did this, and it is very apparent throughout, really, that this is a Kevin Smith film. And I think that is both a good and a bad thing in different ways. It feels Miss, very Mr. Kevin Smith. Smith. This baseball cap that you're wearing, <laughs> the issue of which is to pre- prevent the sun getting in one's eyes by turning it backwards, you have merely put it askew as well as my expectations <laughs> about how a man should dress himself in this time of year. Can I, can I say as well, we've said mm. a couple of times so far, view a universe. Yes. I didn't think words could have a bad mouth feel, but these view, ones do. View it is the vocal equivalent of overcooked squid or liver. It just feels wrong in the mouth. <laughs> I'm going to try and say it normally. 
Oh, just watching the film from the view of skin. Oh, no, it's... it's you can We open in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which I recognise because the wrestler is from there, where an old man is attacked by buzzing teenagers. With hockey jerseys. Hockey, oh, hockey I, come on now, Kevin Smith. Those are your favourites, aren't they? For a bit, I thought, are these the main characters? Just a, a bunch of marauding hockey hooligans beating people up? That might yeah, be that, fun. That is, that is a different movie. Okay. okay. Is that uh, we, may, we, 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 will, we will do that for <laughs> another, done another time. Oh, <laughs> no, no, he's not done one. Okay, but there is but, one. Uh, there, there is a rich history of, of certain movies that do have rollerblades and yeah. in them, you know, as, as an antagonist. <laughs> so we might have to look into that at some point. Okay. We come into possibly my favourite joke in the movie, which mm. is Catholicism Wow. As I do like this. I, I did like this, this whole so bit. much. I used to be quite a big George Carlin fan. Again, early on. <laughs> big Catholicism fan, <laughs> as you know, Sam. You know, It was nice to see him pop up. He's good in um, this. He's really good. He's very good in this. I fucking um, love his voice, Sam. It's great. Yeah. He, he I know very little about George Carlin. He was a, a stand-up uh, of, of of significant note, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Perhaps most famous for doing a routine where he just said a bunch of swear words that you can't say on TV. <laughs> I know, but at the time everyone was like, "Whoa." He said well, I bet um, he got some serious time out for that one, did he? <laughs> I think so, yeah. But somehow his career recovered and he made it into a Hollywood picture, uh, which is pretty impressive. This whole bit is great. The kind of rebranding of Catholicism, that's quite fun. Yeah, lol at this supposed progress in 1999. Here we are 20 (laughs) years later and not even a whiff of it. As you can imagine, folks, the old Catholics. Catholics love a good ribbon. They absolutely do. Uh, And it's not just because Eve was made from Adam's rib in the Holy Scripture, but... (laughs) Uh, they, they love a good, they love a good joke, like, don't they? They love uh, having a bit of old fun poked at them, but they didn't like dogma. No, there was a lot of protest about this, but the protest actually happened before the movie was even released. And I think once the okay. movie came out, it was like, oh, oh, oh. All right. <laughs> it, it all died down by the time it actually was released in cinemas. Yeah, the the idea of the movie was a lot more offensive than I think the movie itself. Hmm. I think that happens a lot. That you kind of hear, oh, a film is lampooning this. It must be awful. I, I'm going to protest it, but without having seen the source material. And you know, as a lapsed Catholic, I look here. I've got, I've got a Buddy Christ little statuette proudly mm-hmm. displayed in my home. I have had for many, many years, and I think the movie has a little loving nod to old Jesus Christ there. Unlike supposed pro-Catholic movie, The Passion of the Christ, they're baiting seven shites... They're baiting... <laughs> they're baiting seven shades of shite out of him. Whipping him. Yeah. And then you think, oh, he's going to get a crown. All right, then. My man JC, the crown of... Oh, wait, thorns! <laughs> Boo! Boo! Yeah, you know what? Mel Gibson, get out of Hollywood because you don't treat Jesus that way. What the fuck? Is this film the origin of the Buddy Christ? The kind yes. of yeah, because I've seen that fucking everywhere. Have you? Other than my house, where have you seen <laughs> it? I know it's a meme. Is it? Yeah, what? people use it as a meme. Perhaps maybe like ten years ago now. People they've got little figures of it. I've seen those around. I used to see that in the kind of what I would call the goth shop. I had the goth shop. You're gonna go. We'll go down the goth shop and buy a big massive bag of button badges. 
like proper thing you get 110 lollies in but full of button badges yeah and they've got some some buddy christ there as well in fact i think the kids who hung around in the goth shop would have loved this film would have gone oh, absolutely yes. cuckoo bananas for this absolutely mm. the denizens of asher in the saint stephen's green shopping center in dublin which was pretty much the portal to fucking hell man back in the day <laughs> yeah they were all about this nodding approvingly yes absolutely so the buddy christ that's kind of i've seen that a lot that this film has had a little iconic cultural impact. It's it's given the buddy Christ out into the world. Apparently, I mean, were you able to find this movie with relative ease? Yes, perfectly legally from the DVD shop. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, had to, I had to go down to the DVD shop as well. Mm. Because apparently, one of the reasons this movie is actually really difficult to find digitally yeah. is that... Like, the company that was owned, that made this movie, it was like Weinstein Company and Miramax, oh. and then Disney bought it, but they only bought, like, Kevin Smith stuff was into bits and pieces, like, Disney owned parts of it, and Miramax owned other parts of it, mm. and the digital distribution rights weren't available for, you know, because it didn't exist back then, so yeah. I think that's why a lot of his stuff is difficult to, uh, okay. to, to, to access on a streamable platform. I think if I'd have looked in enough charity shops, and I don't mean that dismissively, I probably would have found this somewhere. It's very much a DVD film. I always resent having to buy a DVD of a movie that I previously bought a DVD of and then said, I'll never need this again, and then I do a fucking podcast. <laughs> I really, you know, I really, that was the one thing when I emigrated, I really didn't see Relatable through. content I, I, right there. I'm not going to need this, though. Like, you know? <laughs> So, the idea here is that uh, Catholicism, the Catholic Church has realised that, uh, you know, Catholicism as a whole has recognised its shortcomings, yeah. and they're trying to, you know, get a bit of pizzazz, a bit of panache, get rid of all the depressing stuff, reframe Catholicism as being, like, a positive thing and not all about guilt. Mm-hmm. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to have a special opening and rededication of their church, where there is an ancient Catholic practice. And I looked this up, it is true, apparently, where the, just by coming through and entering into the church and giving a donation or whatever, you are absolved of, of all your sins. Is that real? That's a real thing that could oh, happen. Oh, there all sorts of shite back. There was, a, literally, there was literally a thing where you could go in to the priest... Go into the priest. Inside, like you, you go into the magic bus, and then you go shrink down. Being John Malkovich type thing. <laughs> oh, where's his heart? It's not. <laughs> it's so dark in here. There was a thing. I'm not talking about like 10, 20 years ago. I'm talking about ye olden times. Yeah, yeah. But you could go to the priest, and you could say, "I have." committed adultery i've used the lord's name in vain i've coveted the absolute fuck out of my neighbor's goods and or wife mm-hmm. uh, i've done all these wrong things basically and the priest would be like all right there now so we've got you there now for your three commandments mm-hmm. and the coveting and that's two se- separate acts of coveting there and they'd give you a bill for that basically saying right you want to get into the kingdom of heaven you want to wipe your slate clean it was here, a so dollar amount on getting into yeah, you, heaven you, pieces of gold or whatever ah. it may be and what it was was that everyone like the default position is you were going to be in like fucking purgatory or whatever and right. then you could give money and donations to the church to get your way out of purgatory and all of a sudden the golden palaces of the catholic church make a little bit more sense because right. turns out people were sinning loads back then yeah and they didn't want to go to hell or no. just or just wait about in purgatory forever. Of course, now there's an app for that. You don't need to have the face to face. Like you know, all my sins are stored in the cloud, Sam. So it's all right. <laughs> like the, the thing is, this right, Sam? You can either stay in purgatory mm. or you can watch a thirty second ad and get into heaven for thirty seconds. <laughs> all right, it's all it's very very fair and above board. You know. <laughs> 
Or maybe they could do something with, like, loot boxes, you know? And it's like, all right, I'm forgiven for murder, but all I did was steal a Coca-Cola. Yo, send me over those guys I don't like. I'm going to get frisky. Kevin, I tell you, Matt Damon looks like a fucking tiny child here. Doesn't he look young? Doesn't he look like a scrappy young boy? I was really glad that his mum and dad got him here on time for the big movie. And I know he's nervous. And he's had he's had a wee, and he's got his coat, and he's got a little note in his pocket of where he used to go home he afterwards. He so, so young and sweet. No. Yeah. I looked him. at him, and I was like, you're not the fucking Martian. Get out of here. <laughs> that's not my Martian. Hashtag not, not my, my Martian. Martian. Uh, so this, that's Loki. So Loki. We're, we're in an airport. Matt Damon is Loki. But he's anything but Loki. <laughs> he's kind of dunking on religion to a nun and manages to convince her to give up her faith and honestly it's the easiest fucking li- like on- if Alice in Wonderland makes you question your faith don't be a yeah. fucking nun you're literally bride of Christ but this character may as well have been played by Ashton Kutcher because he was just punking that nun he was just playing around yeah. and having a prank because we see Ben Affleck who's Bartleby yeah and these lads are chatting about how they've seen God they've been in the presence of God why are you trying to convince people that there's no God and he's like it's just this a bloody laugh mate just a right bloody hoot and a holler just having a laugh and did you did you get the the twist kind of straight away then did you what that they're they're angels he's an angle sorry an angel <laughs> Well, I, I tell you what, Matt Damon is acute angle because oh, oh, he's, he's absolutely he's, yeah, bless him. I, I did a full three sixty because I wanted to go back and look at him. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to miss it. Like you know, <laughs> this whole sequence in the in the airport. I think Ben Affleck's character. He's talking about how, despite people, you know, being kind of evil and bad and sinning, they they're so excited when they see each other at the airport and they love each other so much. And I think there's a scene like that in Love Actually, but without the bit where it's like those two are cheating on each other, but at least they're happy. You know? Yeah, it's it's true. You know, there's not, the bit in Love Actually where it's like he's actually what is in love with a married woman. He's a wrongin. He's a wrongin. She's, a li- she's yeah. literally like fifteen or whatever the fuck it is as well. It's really, it's really weird. Like you know, let's send him to fighting zombies in an increasingly tedious series for the rest of his life as punishment. Yeah, okay, that's agreed. <laughs> Can we rubber stamp that, please? Yes. Um, <laughs> Bartleby he announces that they're going home because he's got a bit of newspaper now. He's been sent a clipping. I don't know where they live. Do they have a fixed address? These two are fallen angels, right? They've been cast yeah. out of heaven. They've fallen and they can't get up, Sam. <laughs> and through the, they love giving each other bits of newspaper because there's two different newspaper clippings here that mean different things to them. Now you just you just show me something on your phone now, though, wouldn't you? I would now. Is that what it was like in the old days? It is, and yeah. you'd, you'd kind of do the 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 outwards claw on it, mm. but it wouldn't make it bigger. It would just crinkle the paper. Right. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's how you'd show someone the news. You'd rip it out of a paper. I'd like to thank Nokia and all the guys in the mobile <laughs> phone world for, you know, thinking big, yeah. getting us out of the dark ages. Thank uh, God for WAP. Yeah, seriously, you know. I'd be in a very dark place right now if it wasn't for my polyphonic ringtones. <laughs> and I'd like to thank you, everyone, for making that possible in Phoneland. Thank you. The dialogue in this film, throughout the whole thing, is very kind of quick, very snappy. Bap, 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 bap. It is Pre- pretty wordy as well. There's a lot going on. It is banter, Sam. Pure and simple. It's banter central. This I watched it with the subtitles on, as I often do. 
I, I don't think that helped. I think that made it more difficult because I was like, oh, there's a lot of reading going on here and I'm listening to it at the same time. The uh, long scenes. Oh, this is like one of the scenes I was like, oh, being, not being a fucking teenager and like, you know, figuring out a couple of fucking things, the bare mm. basics of film. But I was shocked in this movie about the amount of times it was almost like a fucking podcast or something where it was just two people talking back and forth well, back and forth back and forth I, I didn't know when to bring this up but what I, th- I thought a lot about this movie is that this b- was Kevin Smith before he discovered podcasting <laughs> so he was kind of getting out his weird opinions or fun ideas or little trains jokes of thought you know everyone's got a train of thought cultural yes. references that he wanted to get out there he was having to write those down in a script and give it to Ben Affleck to the uh, detriment of the movie though if we'd have started this 20 years ago, Ben Affleck would be saying what we're saying now. Yeah, that's true. You know? know? We'd have had to write a movie rather than do a podcast about movie. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's to the detriment of the quality of, like, it's a bit jarring to watch because it. I rarely see movies from the 90s and kind of go, oh, that's aged. But, like, Mm. there's a lot of dialogue and then it's just, like, two people talking, cutting back and forth. And I felt, it really reminded me, the only time I've had this feeling recently was when I watched Gilmore Girls for the first time. Right. I'm like, there's a lot of great dialogue here, but the people who are writing this have just sat down and wrote loads of dialogue, and there's yeah. no action. It's not dynamic, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's static. And it's like, there's two fucking angels who've fallen to Earth, and we're just here like, but, 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 like a ping pong thing. Chatting away. Yeah, I, it really... Mm. Maybe it's because I'm so... I know the story. I actually was surprised I could quote most of this movie while I was okay. watching it. And the movie, like, the plot is fascinating. The dialogue is fascinating. So I think maybe when you watch it, maybe the first few times, it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. When I already knew everything that was going to come out of their mouths, I was like, this is fucking a tough watch here. Mm. I, I didn't think I'd get, like... I was very close to ramping up my speed, you know? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. But I was very close. Well, it feels like it's already done that in some parts, because they are talking <laughs> quick. So Matt Damon, Loki, he's the angel. He was a former angel of death. Yeah, and he kind of talks about God like he's a kind of mob boss putting out a hit because he wants to go and kill people who worship Mubi, who yes. is a golden calf slash fast food mascot slash cartoon character. Is basically Mickey Mouse and McDonald's combined into right. one kind of uh, a movie. There's a lot of stuff here which appear like. A great joy about watching a lot of the Kevin Smith movies, even mm. if not all of them, and the views aren't necessarily all up to par. Like, I think there's ebbs and flows. There's a lot of mm. ones which have really great moments, but suffer in other aspects, yada, yada, yada. You know, they're, they're not all a bunch of roses. But if you watch them all, you are thoroughly rewarded on any rewatch because the background and Everyone in it, it's teeming with references. Well, like, yeah. overflowing. I watched this with Joe, and Joe mm. watched, you know, a couple of the Kevin Smith movies, and we were, like, blown away just the sheer quantity that was. References to Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, you know, it, all in there, you know. Well, and, I would uh, yeah. see stuff in the background of scenes, and I'd think, if I knew what that was, I'd know what that was. <laughs> But I don't know what it is. There was even stuff this time around that I didn't notice in my many, yeah. many watches when I was younger. Like, uh, there's ads for Nails Cigarettes, and that's what they, the brand of cigarettes that they sell in Clerks, the first movie. Yeah. And it's just, like, tiny little things like that, which, yeah. you know, it is, it's fun. It does make you feel like you're part of, like, a special club, and you know all the cool in-jokes. I mean, that's the kind of thing you need to form some sort of view-askew universe. Oh, stop uh, fucking yeah. saying it, please. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, all 
also, there is one though in here though, which was for us. This was this uh, little background joke for mm. me and you. They had a W. H. Smith in there, and that was they fun. did. I saw that. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Yeah, W. H. Smith apparently make most of their money from airport convenience stores their actual really? high street shops are not successful really <laughs> often well they're, they're always at the lowest of the kind of which best high street shops. oh yeah they're i like mean it's absolutely it, it, drags a horrifying experience to go into one i've yeah. i've tried to i, I realize now in, in these years since i've moved to the uk when going to w h smith when i was a kid crossing yeah. the border up north was a big deal because you didn't have taxes on magazines up here like they did back in ireland if i right. wanted to get official nintendo magazine i'd have to pay six punts 50 pence to get that but Oof. i could go up and get it for three sterling up up north across the border and wh smith was a great place to join but i realized since moving to the country mm. I have unwittingly, but very much so, have structured my life in a way that means I will never have to go into one, ever. It's a nice feeling, isn't it? It is. I've got all the chocolate I need at home, thank you very much. <laughs> but they make all their money from people having no choice at an airport and just having to go in there to get a sandwich or a book they say or something. They're making their money from people having no chocolate and having to go in. <laughs> I, uh, I need a copy of The Times and a really big galaxy of... Uh, got some stuff going on we're introduced to who i would say is our lead character here perhaps Mm -hmm. is bethany bethany who's in a church a catholic church so she goes to church but she's she also works at a clinic that does abortions also known as an abortion clinic (laughs) (laughs) what's going on there you know what's the deal with that there's some protesters outside she says oh there's the pope and they go, well, there's the Pope. And it's it's always fun to dunk on the anti-abortion protesters. That's eat like shooting fish in a barrel. Just, it is, yeah. You, it's great to, to dunk on them. Eminently dunkable they are. It's a difficult <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> They're ever so... I, also as well, when they were in church in that earlier scene, mm. nice little shout-out, Nicene Creed represent there. Uh, uh, let's see uh, get spat out one more time on the podcast. It's really good. Yeah, glad to hear now, that again. Or lead character, or mm. Lampstish Catholic Bethany. Yes. Did you recognise the actor who played this role? No, <laughs> I did not. I was, like, kind of, my mouth was, like, agape, kind of go, who is that? Who is this? She is B- Linda Fiorentino. Okay. Who was one of the lead roles in Men in Black. She's the main lady scientist in, in Men in Black, remember? She teams up with Will Smith. You see Men in Black? Uh, a long time ago. I can't yeah, really remember it. At the end of the movie, it's like Will Smith walks over to the car and she's there and she's dressed up as the Men in Black. And uh, it's like, yeah. oh shit, here it goes. <laughs> Men in Black 2 was meant to be her and Will Smith. Right. Tommy Lee Jones would only sign on to be in Men in Black 2 specifically if she was not in the movie. Oh, dear. And I tried to find out about her, looked up at her filmography, past the year... Like, she appeared in one thing in, like, 2009. Since then, mm. nothing. And But, like, after 2002 or three, she just dropped off the face of the earth. She stopped appearing in stuff in, huh. in movies. And I tried to... When you Google her, you find... Mm articles entitled the history of difficult women in hollywood which isn't necessarily a good thing Hmm. and then finding out an interview with kevin smith from way back when on the bbc he was asked who was the most difficult person you ever had to work with and he said 
lady here uh. played Bethany said that she uh. was the most horrible person that he ever had to work with she was a massive pain in the ass and he wished that he he said in the commentary track for the movie that he wished he cast Janine Garofalo who plays her co-worker in the yeah. abortion clinic that was his original idea and he said he should have put her in it oh now, god what did you think of Bethany's performance here? It was all right. Very, you know, that kind of sarcastic. I mean, it was it was basically Janine Gar- Garofalo's whole gimmick that she was yeah, doing. Yeah, I convinced kind of, myself when Garofalo yeah. appeared. I was like, oh, yeah, she's the, the lead in this, of course. Yes, we're all, all business as usual here. Sarcastic, dry humour. It was it was fine. I think it was a fine performance. It was, I didn't think it was bad or anything it was very difficult to find out why people didn't like her no one yeah men in black basically it's like oh she had a bad reputation there's literally zero the only other thing i found out and this is the best thing about kevin smith having a roughly 86 million years of audio speaking mm. about every subject yeah is that you can find out quite specific things and he mentioned after his heart attack a lot of people reached out one of them was Linda Fiorentino. Right. And she reached out to say, oh, if he was okay, and he like apologized for saying the shitty thing about yeah. wanting to recast her and all that. I think the reason why she had an issue with him was that she was the lead character, so she was in every scene, and everyone mm. else he allowed to go home when they weren't filming scenes because they were shooting okay. in rural Pennsylvania, and she got annoyed with him, and he was like, well, what do you expect me to do? I'm, they're not shooting today. I'm not going to force them to stay here. And she had to stay because she had to film every scene. So it's like, mm. Okay. Was she like a big deal at this She time? was going to be a bit. I mean, she was lead, right. one of the lead roles in Men in Black. She was tipped at one point she was going to win an Oscar and all that. Like, they, She was a name that was being bandied around as being like the next kind of one of the big leading ladies in Hollywood. And that didn't happen for her for whatever reason. But yeah, I rarely see someone who's like a lead in a movie. I'm like, the fuck are they? You know, it completely went over my head. But yeah, her career disappeared. Uh, Now I'll tell you who I did recognise. The guy playing Asriel. Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Do you know where I know him most from? The Church of Scientology? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's back all over again, isn't it? He's the character who gives you the tutorials in Skate 3. Are you shitting me? He plays Coach Frank, who... That's ridiculous. Get a real skater. Get a real skater. Here's the thing. Jason Lee was a skateboarder. He's in the Skateboarding Hall of Fame. He was a professional skateboarder. but in, Yes, he's a very good skateboarder. But in Skate 3, he doesn't play Jason Lee, the skateboarder. He plays Coach Frank, a skateboarding coach who is played by Jason Lee, who is a skateboarder. Okay, I, I feel given that I was... Because I was a big Kevin Smith fan, Jason Lee fandom kind of went along with that as part mm. and parcel of it. Yeah. And I swear to God... How did I not know that about him? That's so weird. He was a professional skateboarder. But what you just said there about the whole Frank business makes me think that he doesn't want you to know. He wants to put barriers between the knowledge. Maybe he's moved on. Yeah, but he's got a skateboarding company, Stereo Skateboards. That's that's his skateboarding company. He's another name which seems to, like, I don't know if it's I'm in different circles of media now or whatever, but he was in shitloads of things where my name is Earl was a big hiss. Yeah. He just kind of disappeared, didn't he? He's one of these guys who will come up at the bottom of a news article in one of those weird fake ads that's like, remember Jason Lee? Here he is now. Or whatever happened to Jason Lee? Or on your YouTube recommend it'll be like, here's why Jason Lee isn't cast in things anymore and that kind of thing I've, I've seen that for like Michael Sarah you, and you, like, you click on the headline why isn't Jason Lee cast in things anymore and you click on it it's like Jason Lee was born in 1978 <laughs> in Rutherford New Jersey that's of course <laughs> well, obviously just Wikipedia <laughs> Uh, the other thing where he, the other place where he would appear is if you went onto a site or an app 
that analyzes your face and tells you what celebrity yes. you look like. Yes. He will be the fourth option always. The fourth one. You're 17%. Everyone, male, female, regardless what race, gender you are, you are definitely 17% Jason Lee likeness. Yeah. So he's there. He's an agent of the devil or something. I he's think. the baddie, Sam. He's the baddie. He's got horns. He loves air conditioning. He's He's the one leading these hockey jerks around little hockey boys who beat people up that he's a baddie he's a wrong un. he likes air conditioning because he's been in hell we are introduced to fucking heavy hitter the cast here my god there's some fucking bangers. Stella, Stella cast Alan Rickman whoa hey. yeah big Alan Rick what uh what do you know about him man he's Snape it's the first time he's been on the on the swirl yeah on yeah, the yeah. swirl he's yeah I think so you've seen Die Hard of course I've seen Die Hard yes. I've seen some of the Harry Potters. I've seen Love Actually as well, which he's in. He's uh, got a fabulous voice, Alan Rickman. Mate, mate, though, right? Yeah, mate, right, though, yeah? Love Actually, yeah? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a Christmas movie, though, yeah? Right, what, though, yeah, mate? If we get Love Actually, yeah? And we actually make it fight, die hard, yeah? And we find what a proper fucking Christmas movie <laughs> is, mate, yeah? Fucking proper fucking Christmas movie. Because, like, you know what, Sam? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've got a new Christmas tradition, and it's 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 Die Hard coming down the chimney. If you see what I'm saying, I bet fucking Kevin Smith thinks Die Hard is a proper Christmas movie. Oh, in it, you know, yeah. But I wouldn't know if Jared Leto would think it is. He'd probably pick something mad, you know, yeah. something wild, mm. you know, like Blade Runner or something, that's something his, really something out Christmas there, movie. you know, Akira. That's my Christmas movie, yeah. Can you do an Alan Rickman voice at all? I've never tried. No. Give it a go. Alan. <laughs> I'm Alan. <laughs> it just sounds like I'm doing a really crude impression of you. Like There used to be a thing that would happen if I swallowed slightly wrong. And, <laughs> and then my voice got do a bit... It, do it, no, do it, No, I can't do it. I, it always happened by accident, but I'd get a kind of slightly claggy voice for a bit and it would sound very Rickman-esque. And I'd always say the kind of bottle phone, bro, glory. But I can't do it because I need to do the thing and even put a stopper. So he's got no willy, but you know that he's cool because he's got a hoodie and a suit jacket, which is, oh man, so cool. Mm. I've been to the year 3000, man, and not much has changed, but that fashion is still tight. (laughs) Look, I will admit, when I saw that, what I thought was that, oh, that looks a bit old-fashioned now. I love that that looks old-fashioned. I love that. But I also (laughs) thought, could I pull that off? For a split second, I was like, I wonder if I could get away with that. And no. how it would look. And you then I thought, absolutely you know what? I've, I'm not going to try it. There's a few reasons why this is an objectively bad look. Number one, the main people drawn to this, and this was, I was one of these people who thought, oh, mm. maybe I can make that work when I was like 16 or 17 or yeah. whatnot. Main people who are drawn to this genuinely don't often have access to blazers. They always have sure. access to hoodies. And yeah. they have a grand selection of hoodies, which fit yeah. them nice and comfy and big. And then usually what you get is like, dad's suit jacket or my granddad was buried in this dusty old <laughs> suit jacket, which is not a blazer. Different, no, different thing. Absolutely a different thing. Mm. It ain't a sports coat that you're rocking there. It's a suit jacket with the wrong trousers. And as well, it's never going to be fitted. It always looks bad. Nothing looks worse than an ill-fitted suit on a, on a fully fucking grown man. And when you put a fucking suit jacket over a baggy hoodie, it's going to make you look like the fucking Michelin man. It's an <laughs> awful look. 
is an awful. Oh. You know what? I feel on queer ride at certain points where like there's really you have to really sit him down and be like, no, just don't, <laughs> this no. Is one of those. And this Stop. is one no. of those. No. Ta- Tan, you can't be nice with them, all right? Yeah. Carrot and stick. And if they're going to wear this, you need to give them the stick. I think I might try it and put it on the Cinema Swirl Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoy your, inc- your incredibly reduced range of mobility. It's okay. I don't use my arms and shoulders, dog. But, you know, Alan Rickman pulls it off. Three people in this movie have this outfit. Yeah. Three people. I know. Costume designer Kevin Smith. Well, that's because that's what he would wear. I need sorry four people because he fucking wears it as yeah. well. Oh but no, get out of here! Alan Rickman pulls it off. I think Alan Rickman somehow looks cool in this. He looks fucking ashamed to be in that. I think. Oh, no, I think he. I think he comes across as quite cool. No, he looks like the teacher who you think is like all mad cool, and then you see him on the weekend and they're dressed like that. And they're like, oh, oh no, I guess they're not as cool as we thought they were. Oh. Like, why are they? Why are they buying all that chicken tikka lasagna from farm foods? <laughs> What's wrong with them? <laughs> He's Metatron, which again is an actual religious thing. Not to be confused with Megatron, who's the leader of the Decepticons. Yeah, which is what I got confused with. Or Metaton from Undertale. This is Metatron, which that sounds very robotic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm basing that on basically the Transformers, but maybe they based it on Metatron. Well, you know, Jesus and the Apostles, 12 Apostles. They came together to fight the forces of the Decepticons. Uh, that was a big part of, of Catholicism. Sam, have mm. you read the comic book series Preacher? No. Kevin Smith has. <laughs> right. Okay. Is it Why is this like that? I mean, I, a lot of it is. Right. Okay. Ha- have you read Good Omens? No. Pretty sure Kevin Smith has. Okay. Right. This is all. Y- yeah. The some of its influences. I, I don't know if I'm. I mean, there's influences. Obviously, the influences are totally fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were influenced heavily by Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo. That's you know all long since established. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Having read the Preacher comics and now watching the Preacher TV series, it yeah. felt at points alarmingly similar. Okay. Like ears burning. So Alan Rickman. He's the voice of God. He's kind of God's spokesman. He's also an he's angel. He, he, here to do some exposition as well. Do angels not have dicks? Is that canon? I've never seen it written down or anything like that. No. There is a section in I went, back in Mullingar, the town near where I grew up, and you had to take a 25-minute bus to get to Mullingar. Mm. But in the bookshop there now, there is a section that is just angels. Okay. There was a spirituality section. Bunch of Robbie Williams CDs. <laughs> But now there's there's a spirituality section, but and also that, angels. There's an angel section, right? And I just love the idea of kind of like, sorry, I'm looking for this book on you know angels, and like, oh yeah, sorry, you're looking at spirituality. You you need to to be an angel. It's angel a, section. separate book. And I'm they I remember thumbing through a few of those, and it's kind of like you ever go on to like a fan wiki for like a video game or a TV series that you kind of like. I'm like, I want to get a little bit more of you know all the the backstory or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like whoa, whoa. Whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa. There's this much to Super Metroid? Really? You're speaking to a a former editor of Lostpedia, mate. I think I know a bit about... (laughs) Fan wikis that have a bit too much detail. Yeah, how about you? Were you you a a strict but fair editor? No, I just put in my own theories. (laughs) I got a warning email once from, uh, from Wikipedia saying that 
your IP address has been like you know been flagged for like editing right. you know too many articles and stuff like ah. that. And I was like, wait, what? Like uh, you know, there's been complaints. Essentially, if you go on Wikipedia, and you start going, blah, 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 mm. people can independently complain. There's a process that tracks you and sends you an email right. and can ban you. What have you been doing? I haven't been doing anything. I I, I have literally never once on purpose edited wikipedia <laughs> you might have accidentally edited the wikipedia. i have accidentally once with touch screen like i remember like it's literally only a couple of weeks ago and i nearly deleted like some wrestling thing i was looking up and i, I pressed a, right. my fingers are too fat for my phone it's like do you want to delete all this section on championships and accomplishments no yes. no but what it was apparently at the end was i i replied to find out what articles was being edited because i was like i'd not done anything mm. and it was articles about the, the two towns closest to my home town of delvin and apparently my neighbors because we're so spread out we share the same ip address or they've been nicking your wi-fi i don't know what they were Mm -hmm. we've got a we've got a 46 character wpa2 key to get into the wi-fi back home at my mum and dad's house i i don't that's pretty secure fair enough mate it's pretty secure there i get i get (laughs) but they were just editing Wikipedia to talk mess about the other towns. Wow. They were like, you know, saying they had a lower population than they were, <laughs> removing people of note, That's you know, amazing. taking away accomplishments. <laughs> and I mean, come on, Carmelon's not that bad. I mean, come on now, give it a bit. So yeah, that's my only experience. Never went onto Lostpedia, you know, I don't want to get banned from a hot takes. No. A nice little thing here, which I thought would be like a Chekhov's gun type deal, was when Bethany kind of sarcastically says, why why isn't God speaking for, and at, at this point, himself? Why does he got, why has he got you to be the voice of God? And he's like, well, uh, God's voice is so overwhelming and awesome that it would blow your mind or something like that. And I thought, well, that's, that's going to come back into play later. And also, God will have a silly voice. But I was wrong about that bit. I thought it was going to be like, it was going to go on about how brilliant and awesome and overwhelming God's voice was, and God would say, all right, all right. And that would be the thing that would blow people's minds, but it wasn't that. Director's cut. Director's <laughs> cut. So she's got to stop the angles from getting into the church. She's giving yeah. very little information at this point, other than the requisite exposition and required reading that she's given by Alan Rickman. She's special, but she doesn't know why she's special, and she needs to find out why she's special. This feels That feels a bit Star Wars-y, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he's, he wears his Star Wars fandom on his sleeve. Kevin Smith, who once described Episode 3 as a tragedy worthy of Romeo and Juliet. Now, <laughs> it gets spoilers. It's not. Right. And I, I have a reason for real if I repeat a story or something on a podcast, I try and get it edited out or, you know, have people let me know. Yeah. Well, I've said that at least six times on podcasts. And I want to say it every time so no one ever forgets. <laughs> ever. Okay. So he tells her that some prophets are going to help her, which is good because she gets attacked at work and then saved by jay and, and silent, silent bob, bob. snoochy gucci Snoo- oh, oh god what's the fucking thing that snoogans um, snoo what is all this what's all this snoochy bitchy this feels like fucking rick and morty or some shit what's all this don't fucking drag this into i'm it. sorry well i can't remember what the thing that people quote from rick and morty is in my head a or woozle wobble there's nothing wrong. I'm You're a just fucking pickle. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Smoochy Boochy, Magrucci, Doochie, Woochie. The, the Smooch Boys are here. Jay immediately chatting about sex as a reward. How big are their coats? 
They've got big old coats, those They've boys. got massive coats. I love it. And here's the thing, all right? I'm pretty sure those coats are so big that they've got a couple suit jackets and hoodies underneath there. That's how big Layers they are. Yeah. It is very good. And I thought it was very interesting to cast two Zorb balls with a thin layer of coat <laughs> to bounce around this movie in their massive fucking jackets. It's cold wherever they are. New, New Jersey. No, well, they start. They they're in Wisconsin, I think they start Wisconsin. off. Wisconsin, yeah. Oh yeah, because there was that where they sent to hell. Worse, Wisconsin. That's a fun little line. Uh, not to dunk on Wisconsin. Not to dunk. Oh, no, don't dunk on Wisconsin. Man, they got cheese. That's fucking. They got cheese and rods from Fraser. Wisconsin is fucking golden. Keep doing what you're doing. You're fucking fabulous, Wisconsin. Uh, okay. I hope yeah. to visit the Creamery State someday. <laughs> So, James and Bob and their, their massive coats. I'm going to get fucking heroes welcome. I know what you're saying. They're going to paint the fucking streets with, with brick. I love cheese. Mm. I, I lo- what's I your love favorite, cheese. What's, what's your favorite cheese? I'm big into my halloumi at the moment. Oh, it's a good old... I had Brian Salty. Zane round for dinner once, and I made mm. him halloumi. And I'm not going to lie, Sam, I blew his fucking brains out. Have you ever had halloumi? Never had it before. Uh, and he's like, that's cheese a big moment. for dinner? I'm like, yeah, get fucking ready, big man. Someone introducing you to halloumi is a big moment. And it, it, is. it always seems to be someone saying, have you heard of Halloumi? Like they're this obscure punk band that your older brother is introducing yeah, you no, to. Yeah, no, I like, I like Halloumi's earlier stuff myself, yeah. personally, yeah. It, sorry, it's cheese, but you fry it in a pan and it, it squeaks sometimes, or you grill it. It's kind of squeaky and salty. Oh, give, give me that cheese. Give me that I mean, sweet it's, Halloumi. It's, halloumi, if anyone's ever home thinking, I don't want anyone to judge me for eating a big plate of melted cheese for dinner, you, it's okay. You can get Halloumi, and then yeah. it's okay. Bit of Halloumi, bit of chili jam. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Well, I'll tell you, right, this is some behind-the-scenes fucking shit right here, sure. right, okay? And I usually only save this for Cinema Swill, which is fucking, on Patreon, chalk to the brims with behind-the-scenes <laughs> sexy gossip, <laughs> chalk right? Chalk to the brims. Chalk to the brims. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. All right, but when we finish Cinema Swill, it can be a bit late. Yeah. So what I do now is that instead of having a dinner afterwards... Mm. I have a supper. Oh. And I often have halloumi with just a few mushrooms. And it'll, that, that's it. That'll, yeah. Mean, yeah. No, that'll that's, do me. That's all you need for a supper. That's exactly. great. The word oh. supper is the antidote to the word view's universe. <laughs> supper has a lovely mouthfeel. A supper. Oh, let's get some fucking supper going. Let's get some supper in here. Jay, his whole gimmick is that he's like, these two are kind of nice guys. What, what did you think of Jay and Silent Bob, the, the iconic duo? I can see why people latched onto them at the time, because their whole gimmick is that they're kind of sound lads. They're all right, but they're also kind of creeps and idiots at the same time. Yeah, they're, they're well-meaning, but somewhat I mean, horrible dinks. A bit that's emblematic of that is where he's like, Oh, we're, you know, we're totally pro-choice. A woman's body is her right. And then Bethany asks, why are you here at the abortion clinic? Like, well, we just wanted to pick up chicks because we, <laughs> we thought that would be where women who were down to fuck were. <laughs> I'll is, tell you, you something. Know. Jason Muse, who plays mm. Jay, who, a lot, I have a lot of time for Jason Muse. He, he's had some ups and downs in his, in his life. He had serious fucking drug problems. Jesus yeah. Christ, acting was not his fucking strong point at this point. He is fucking hideous in this. He is so bad. Particularly these scenes here where he seems asleep. 
And like, as a kid, yeah. I was just like, Chainsaw Bobby! And they're in all the new skew movies. That's the kind mm. of the gimmick of them, is they're the kind of the recurring thread. Yeah. And I fucking adored Chainsaw Bob as a kid. I thought they were the funniest thing ever. And such was my love of them that I could not see the Didn't forest notice. for the trees that he could not act to save his life. And the other guy doesn't have to talk, which is pretty handy. Yeah. <laughs> he gets better. He does get better in like Clerks mm. 2 and stuff. He's good. But fucking here, he's so bad. Well, I think he had some issues with drugs. And uh, I was reading the Wikipedia page after having watched this. I think he he might have still been kind of Oh, no, he definitely some... was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know um, that one of the podcasts that, that Kevin Smith does with him is specifically was designed or issued to try and keep him sober. Like, mm. it was, like, for something to him to do and kind of keep focused on and all that. But he's had a pretty, like, pretty like, successful career. Like, you know, it's, yeah. this is what's interesting about these movies. It's such a launching pad. To think of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon being kind of relatively no-name people at the time mm. is fucking crazy. I think, well, now... You know how much I love Wes Anderson? Yes, you've mentioned. There's some parallels here in terms of an auteur filmmaker launching, kind of launching, the careers of a couple of young Hollywood upstarts. Because Wes Anderson is one of the first people to hire Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. And, lo- and look at Owen Wilson now. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you talk about Marley don't, and me. Don't, don't look at Luke Wilson. Look at Owen Wilson now. (laughs) You talk about Marley and me. You're talking Hall Pass. You're talking The Internship. You're talking big, big movies, Sam. Yeah. And of course, as well, you know, Wes Anderson also helping launch the career of Bill Murray, who before he appeared <laughs> no one's heard of him. before he appeared in Rushmore, he was just some fucking Ghostbuster goober motherfucker who no one cared about. So, but. Well, Bartleby? Can I call him Bart? Yeah, call him, call him Bartleby. Bart. Or just call him, I've written him down as Ben Affleck to, to help me here. <laughs> ben Affleck and Matt Damon are buying guns and arguing. I'm just going to point out the little jokes here that I liked in this film. So yeah, that's was, always good to know in the, yeah. the comedies, yes. Mass genocide is one of the most exhausting activities one can engage in, next to soccer. Hey! Because yeah, it's, it's difficult playing footy. I just it love is. a reference to the beautiful game, really. I, I, I appreciate that. We've like, got WH Smith, we've got football bants... It, this is my kind of movie. Mate, did you see that ludicrous genocide last week in fucking Wembley <laughs> <laughs> Stadium? Oh, God. There's a whole bit here where Jason Muse's character, so Jay, launches into this whole thing about John Hughes. Again, this feels like Kevin Smith podcasting before he yeah. had a podcast just to do his whole thing about John Hughes. There's so many scenes where it's like they just sit down and have a meal. Like and there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes in this where the movie I felt is a bit too long for its own good. Mm. There's so many scenes where it feels like, do they need to be here right now having this chat? That isn't really that hundred percent like it's not a tight film. It's blowed. No. Yeah. And it's it's blowed with really you know, great stuff at, uh, at yeah, the time. Yeah. Like, funny stuff, really interesting ideas, and lots of... I mean, we're having funny jokes, pop culture references, mm-hmm. big questions about the gender of God, the history of religions. There's a lot of shit that's been thrown at you. But I do think it's a little bit too much, you know? Yeah, maybe. And I kind of feel like a lot of it... Like, if I was to sit, like, be a really super harsh editor, the scenes that would probably logically get cut out are mm. probably some of the scenes that are the most enjoyable, which aren't the ones that move the plot along or actually, you know, accomplish something for the characters. Where just it's just where it's a bit of chat. A nice bit of chat. And again, yeah. you're right. It's it's like a little bit of podcasting feels like would be the cure for this. <laughs> he just wanted somewhere to put his ideas and his stories and his little jokes, mm. you know? I know that's kind of what writing a movie is sometimes, but 
it's so yeah, can feel like it's maybe at the expense of moving the plot along or doing anything. Just having a bit in the movie where I've got this stuff to say about John Hughes. Let's say it. There's too much ice cream is what this is, you know? It's, yeah. it's, I like it. I like all the, and there's lots of different flavours. That's really great. But mm. all of these flavours at once is a bit rich, you know? Mm. I'm not looking forward to the toilet tomorrow. I need something savoury as well. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so they're going on a road trip. That's kind of the whole base of this. Is we've got a road trip. A big road yeah. trip. You know, going to New up, Jersey. Going to New Jersey. And yeah. Chris Rock falls out of the sky and mm. he's Rufus, the 13th apostle, who's got Bible beef. And before you can really figure out what it is about, but yeah, again, this is a character whose purpose is again to be another kind of person to provide exposition, but also flag up big questions, big ideas. You know, a lot of the philosophy and the morality and stuff comes out of Chris Rock in this. Yeah, we get one of my other joke lines that I like here mm-hmm. when Chris Rock's character falls out of the sky because Bethany says she wants to go home because the car's broken down. Jay gets angry that she's leaving. And says, guys like us don't just fall out of the sky, you know. And Chris Rock falls out of the sky. Kablam. And then he immediately says, beautiful naked big titty women don't just fall out of the sky, you know. Because he, he's a ho- he's little horny boy. He's a little horn dog, is Jay. A cheeky horn boy. I think a lot of 13-year-old boys could really relate to <laughs> what he was talking about. Like, you know. I, th- yeah. I think that's why I, I don't connect with Jay and Silent Bob like I did when I was a kid. Like, when I was no. a kid, they were just, like, kind of these cool, wacky adults. They, they were definitely they were like, oh, these yeah. are adults. They are adults, but they fucking do crazy shit and just do whatever they want, and they're funny, and they're weird, and they're wacky, and they, they're silly, and everyone kind of tolerates them. Watching it now, they're very clearly just horny teens who are played yeah. by old men. <laughs> I like, can you imagine going to a party with someone like, you know, Jason Muse's character? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, fucking hell, get me out of here, like, you know? <laughs> Another fabulous, but ultimately, I'm not sure how necessary. I mean, look, mm. this is probably my favourite scene in the movie, but okay. it is yeah, not yeah. necessary. They wanted to go to movie headquarters. Yes. So. I mean, how does this advance the plot? How does this get us where we need to go? This doesn't really tell us or do much, because like, if it's to get across the point that they're vengeful angels or that they will do stuff like this to try and get in God's goodwill, well, they already did that. He killed the adulterer on the bus in an earlier scene, but now we're yeah. here doing this, which is like, I feel that Kevin Smith, when he started the movie, this is one of the scenes he had in the back of his head saying, this is going in it no matter fucking what. Well, some sort of boardroom bloodbath does have a certain level of appeal to it, I think. Yeah. My personal favourite bit of this was Loki when he's chatting to everyone. He sneezes and then continues what he was saying. And I was really hoping that that would not be referenced anywhere. That it would just be a little bit where a character sneezes in the middle of talking and then keeps going. I fucking love that. But there is reference later because in trying to make out that someone has some sins and is it's a not a decent person, he's like, well, you didn't say God bless you when I sneezed. Clutching at straws there. Yeah, this this does feel a little bit unnecessary given we had a scene on the bus where, you know, they... They point out an adulterer and kill him. This is more more of that. Like I'm not knocking the scene because I love it. Like if I could say mm. if someone said, Hey, let's watch one scene from this movie, I would say, Okay, let's watch this or show me one scene from this movie to show you why you like it. I go, Okay, this one. Mm. But when it's in the middle of a long ass movie, I'm like, I don't know, like you need I feel like I love that 
movies were in a place back in the days back then there was a system with studios where they could try wild ideas and you know to think that Miramax was fucking you know making shit like this this is really off the wall like to get a big nationwide international release that's fucking crazy it's wild yeah yeah and I like the autonomy the directors are given but surely there can be a nice middle ground where someone can say just make this a little tighter and neater please without then overstepping and becoming all the horror stories that you hear in Kevin Smith's later career about everyone being overly controlling and ruining his movie and da, 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 da. Right. side note sure. how did they make that little onion man little onion man was it a little onion man I thought he mentioned that it was an onion the, the voodoo doll that she makes oh the little onion man yes yes how because he says he goes does anyone smell onions and then he's over there carving now, oh he's making a man out of onions i didn't put two and two together i well, thought <laughs> i thought they were just peeling onions for no reason but he's making a little onion man he made onion man where he goes the voodoo thing at the end which he calls an arrangement of superstitions which is some beautiful fucking language and writing in this yeah, there's yeah. some real gold in here yeah but i as a man who cuts a lot i i pretty much have cut at least one to two onions Every day for the last seven years. Oh, you fucking show off. Jeez. All right. And I'm not saying, I just, I love onions. And I live with someone who adores onions. Joe fucking <laughs> loves onions. And, and I on- live with an onion. So, you I know, just- I, I, there is in this room two separate novelty onion shaped pillows. <laughs> <laughs> my main shopping bag says, I know my onions. Uh... So I'm coming at you, Sam, from a level of some. So, like, you know, if someone can say, oh, Kevin, is there, is there one thing you go and mastermind about? And I wouldn't probably go in wrestling or anything like that. I'd probably go, go with onions. onions. i go with yeah. onions. I know my all the albumins, all would right? Would you be doing it hoping that at some point someone would say, well, you clearly know your onions? Yeah, because that would be... the bag, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Take home the trophy in the bag. In the bag, yeah, it's wrap it up nice, like. But onions, like yeah. ogres, have layers. Layers, yes. Yeah? How do you make a solid onion man from a layered piece I'll tell you of... how they do it. How? 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 They're, how? they're fucking angels, mate. They can ah, do angels. Sam, get out of here with that. Come on. Now, I had, like, in my mind, the ba- I was going to come into this with a long list of plot holes. Because when I watched the movie, mm. I felt there were many plot holes. Sure. And given that the movie spent so much time trying to explain everything and give reasons, it I really did feel there was a bit of a cardinal sin against it that it did have all these plot holes in spite of all this lengthy exposition. Yeah. You know? Because there were times I was watching this going, hang on, how does that happen? And then they turned around and said, oh, ba 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 ba. And they're like, oh, that's the explanation. That's fine. But there were many yeah. times where it didn't happen. But I will only bring up one. How did they make the little onion man? Right. Because I want to know. Because I want the little onion man. Yeah. Well, do you, would you fry the little onion man? No. The little tasty onion man. No. no? I've got yeah. a little carish man already, and I think he could be his friend. Oh. Yeah. Little vegetable mates. A little vegetable mates. Oh, you know, we'll be friends sweet, together. Yeah. Then I will eat them to okay. gain their precious fibre. <laughs> we also introduce now to serendipity and you want to talk about good mouthfeel for a word serendipity baby i like that word do you know serendipity i think means like it's the opposite of, a, of an unfortunate time it's like a it's very a fortunately timed coincidence and event yes i think serendipity played by selma hayek is such a paper fucking thin character where kevin smith was sitting with his dick in his hand 
you know, he's talked about beating off at such length. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure he has masturbated to this scene. And he probably masturbated to it, Sam, while he was still storyboarding it. Right. And yeah, there was just, he like, was imagining little, it. Like little stick figures with lollipops. Why is she dressed like a baby? That's really weird. I don't, that's not sexy. What, do you fucking like babies? You fucking freak? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so, oh, no, mate, though, no, mate, though. When Selma Hayek dressed up like a baby, that was sexy. No, it wasn't. You've mm. actually found one of the only ways to make Selma Hayek Unsexy. not sexy by yeah. making me think of babies. Mm. Selma Hayek plays Serendipity, who is the very nature of inspiration. She's the muse. Yeah. It's, so she inspires people. That's her thing. She is divine inspiration. It's it's another thing now, to another concept that they're coming at you with, like the idea yeah. of... That, you know, religion in its history has inspired some of the greatest works of art mm-hmm. or architecture, yada, 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 yeah. all the wars and shit they did as well. <clears throat> but, you know, that, that is a big part of it. Yeah. How necessary is this character? <laughs> you know, precious few women in this movie as there is, but how necessary is it? Like, why couldn't she have been Jason Lee's character instead? Because you know, it works out similarly later on. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. We really know. had to have that stripper scene, didn't we? Is she an angel? No. She's a Are you co- an angel? <laughs> <laughs> now this is podcasting. Um, that finally I get to use my episode one material. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry, Sam. Did you get that? Because if you didn't get either of those, we can do episode one. Little Anakin, isn't it? Annie. Yeah. Annie. Little, yeah. little Anakin. Annie the musical, but it's Anakin Skywalker <laughs> as narrated by Jar Jar Binks for the whole musical. <laughs> I want to see podcasting in the West End. Join me. Yeah, Bethany is the last scion. Yeah, scion, scion, which is des- descendant of Christ. Yeah, or, yeah. That's what is that? What that means? Uh, maybe. I'm not too up on all this religious stuff. I don't no, know. This is ways. where we're, we're we're going away from religion into religious studies. You know, mm. this is we're getting to an extra layer here of it. Oh, also, there, Kevin uses serendipity to slag off Home Alone. Yeah, what's the fucking problem with Home Alone? I don't know, but is that why he had that character there? Because he's talking about like how serendipity gave inspiration to 19 of the top 20 grossing movies the last 20 years or something. And Sam had Home seen Alone because that was a bag of shit. Yeah, yeah, it was all films that I'd not seen, apart from Home Alone, which I have seen. And Kevin, well, I say Kevin slags it off, Serendipity slags it off, but Kevin slags it off. He doesn't like Home Alone. No. It's the best John Hughes film. I know, right? Uh, maybe that's the one that he doesn't like. Oh, we also have a scene where the toilet is overflowing. Oh, in, yeah, this is the golden period of shit in media. You know, you have Conquered Bad for way. a Day in 01, and you have the shit demon here in 1979. As a kid, I thought this was the funniest thing ever! Yeah, I mean, I wrote down shit demon, and then someone said shit demon. So I'm glad that's, you know, what they were going for exactly, and I pinpointed it perfectly. It's a shit demon. Did it make you laugh? Not really. No, I didn't laugh at it. I love a good shit joke and a good sick yeah. joke as well. I've told you some of my big ones, right? You've told me all sorts of poo and sick stories. I've told you about the big this pile podcast. of poo that got bigger and all that, didn't I? Yeah. yeah probably. Probably. Uh, if, I, if I've if i not, folks, message uh, us in and I'll do it next mailbag, yeah? Don't. But, don't. don't do, you, do. Even, even if he has just don't. <laughs> don't do and, it. And I can tell you right now, at the London Podcast Festival this year and the How To Wrestling Live show, there is a sick story from a recent a recent sick story that will be publicly debuted and it's gonna blow your fucking asses off. Well. I'm just I'm just teasing, Sam. I'm just teasing, dangling it right. there a little bit, you know? Because I'm I'm all about my sick and my shit. Yet 
I just thought because I was overexposed as a kid that I was I didn't find it funny anymore. I don't know. I mean, I liked Silent Bob spraying it with an air freshener and that knocking it out. That was yeah, kind like, of fun. Vast majority of his action takes place off camera as well. <laughs> Yeah, there was meant I, to be another scene in the end of the movie where it's like a final fight scene with Silent Bob and the shit demon and the hockey kids and uh, like in in the hospital room. And I'm like, thank fucking God they didn't do that because that would have went mm. way long on the tooth. Asriel <clears throat> appears to Bart and Loki. Hayes there, warning them that they're pissing people off. Everyone wants to kill them. People are on a mission to stop them from getting into heaven, right? Yeah. Asriel tells them, because he's got a dog in this fight, he doesn't want... He wants, uh, he wants to end existence because he's yeah, been banished. We know later that he's banished to hell. Yeah. And therefore, it is like. I, I watched this movie so many times as a, as a kid, and one of the reasons was is because I understood so little of it. Like, I loved mm. it. But then I was like, who's Jason Lee's character, young Kevin? And I'm like, ah, he's the devil. If, <laughs> those, if those two get into heaven, they have subverted God's will and Which therefore, is infallible and therefore you'd create a paradox. Paradox and existence stops. Snake, right. you created a time paradox. Time has to stop existing. Do, 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 do. There will do, be no do, do. more Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear Survive won't come out, Snake. What have you done? <laughs> he was trying to save us all along. <laughs> Everyone's on a choo-choo train. Yeah, I love a good train. Love being yeah, on train. Lots of deep chats here. Ideas are bigger than beliefs, man. Yeah, that's a nice idea from Chris Rock's character. Yeah, it is, I mean, all, yeah. all of these seem like kind of surrogate characters for Kevin Smith to say different things that he believes. I keep saying that, but it re- it really feels like it. That it's just like I've got this thing to say. Here's a character to do it for me. You know when you like read a. You read like a tweet or a mm. piece of writing that's by someone whose voice you recognize. You just hear it in their voice. Yeah. I didn't know it was possible, but this entire movie feels like he's in Kevin, Kevin Smith's Smith. voice. Like. Yeah. Bethany's getting kind of flirty with Bartleby. Flirty but, and drinky. Whoa. Uh, and I thought that was because they were deliberately on that train because they knew. But they didn't They didn't know. It's just, just a, coinkydink. Just serendipitous. Or bad serendipitous. <laughs> Which is the right word. A serendipipus, I think, is the bad yes. word. Yes. Apologies to the serendipipus community out there. We don't want to offend any serendipipuses. Serendipipi, you motherfucker. <laughs> Barbie realises that he's, he is talking to the last scion because she's... Try, she has to stop angels from getting into heaven. Sounds like the last scion to me, Sam. <laughs> And now there's a standoff between Rufus, Chris Rock's character, and the angels, and Bethany's being held hostage. Oh, this fight scene was fucking hideous. <laughs> what is it with the punch sound effects in this? Oh my, I played N64 yeah. games, and not even particularly good ones with better hit detection better than this. Than that. Oh, um, it was, he couldn't direct action here to save his life. Not Your most really. of clerks takes place behind two counters, and it shows when they get into motion and moving around. Oh my god! The reason why he can't direct it is because he's on screen as Silent Bob doing some of the punching and tossing angels off a train. Um, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I was going to try and do a tossing off joke, but it didn't. Isn't worth. Nah. He no. tossed him off the train. Of course, later in his career, <laughs> beating off will become more coarse than Kevin there Smith brand. There we go. There we go. We got it. We got Did it. You, Indiana Jones reference, but it's from the third one, which I believe you've not seen. I've not seen the third one. You know so. what? Mm. There's been 
zero clamoring from anyone for us to do any more Indiana Jones movies. What's that no. all about? I don't know. Was our take on it so piss poor that there's just no demand? <laughs> I don't, I don't like, want you know? to hear these two lads talk about these films anymore. A, a sequel it. squirrel might be... For, a sequel squirrel. <laughs> oh. a, a, a secret squirrel <laughs> might be good to do soon. And we could do Godfather 2 in there as well. Uh, and perhaps even Robocop 2. Robocop 2? Yeah. Uh. The, the lost episode, uh, which was saved by our friend Ash. Do check it out if you've not seen or listened to, I should say, our lost episode. It is... Listenable, but I one of us does sound like we're wearing a kind of a Darth Vader type mask. Yeah, like, mate. You may sound like that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, roasted. <laughs> uh, so, Bob says something. No I didn't realise that Silent Bob saying stuff was already established as kind of a thing. Yeah, he once, sometimes twice in this movie, twice per movie, he says something. Okay, and that's fine. That's like normal. It's not a big deal. This is this is not the first thing he said. I thought that's what it was building up to. I thought that happened in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I thought Bob said his first thing, but that's not. Oh, true. the bit in that—that's probably the best bit in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Right. Is, is when he uh, he it's, says it's, something. It's when he says something. Yeah, it's very okay. good. But I've not yeah. seen it. You've not seen it. <laughs> I thought that did happen. See, here it. the problem is with it. If I put it in swill, people are going to be ornery. They're going to be ornery. You know, ornery. I don't want an ornery fan base. I don't like the word ornery. It's a bit viewers universe. I, I don't like the idea of a bunch of surly donkeys and mules listening to our podcast, kicking <laughs> shit like, you know, chewing cans. That's a go. I'm sorry. I'm mixing my hoofed mammals here now. <laughs> but I thought, yeah, no, no ticket is not a fabulous first line, but you know, there we go. Now, Bartleby, who up until this point has been kind of the, the calm one of the two angels because you remember loki is the angel of death yeah he seems to be kind of quite obviously turning evil and loki is kind of turning good here. yeah this is very much the case like this is so solid crew because they, they they flip reverse it here at the end <laughs> you know i wish this scene only lasted 21 seconds to, to, oh to, my because God. Uh, it lasted hours <laughs> And you know what hey as well? They just like they're thrown off a train. They just like walk into a parking lot going, oh man. What the fuck happens? Those are the scenes we need, Kevin. Those yeah. are, and also can we talk about between scenes? Was there anything from Star Wars that you noticed between scenes? Oh, wipes. There were some yeah. wipes. There, there was, was wipes. Some... There was a, a like a Mario Paint like wipe the screen around, and then there was all sorts of wipes in this. There was a side wipe. There was a kind of swirl wipe. All sorts of wipes. It was, it was great. It was a, an ode to the Star Wipe, and we we're very happy mm. about that. Yeah, bringing it back to where it all started, guys. Star wipes. Yeah. So basically, Ben Affleck's the baddie now. He talks yeah. about how you know, as humans, we're designed to have free will, so we can ignore God if we choose. Whereas angels can't do that. He they feel pain when they're not near God, and he mm. hates the way they're designed. It's it's very very good. You know, very very passionate speech, well written. Again, very long. <laughs> Yeah, um, Ben Affleck does a great job in this. I think in this mm. film, generally, oh, he's, he's he's damn good. He brings the energy here that he brought to Suicide Squad, Sam, <laughs> and that is why Ben Affleck is uh, my Batman. You know, he's yeah. the Batman, if you will. Uh, that's Hashtag how much of a Batman is. My Batman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, just my Batman. <laughs> Alan Rickman shows up. It's He's walking on water because it's just been revealed. Ah, yeah, there's a big reveal here about Jesus Christ, isn't there? That Jesus, so he has a sister. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, Jesus has got brothers and sisters. And you, you lose your Catholicism points right here when you imply that Mary was not a virgin. How dare you? Jesus, Mary and Joseph and many of the supporting cast... Why would you say such a thing, Rufus? Is it canon that Mary remained a virgin post-Jesus? Let, let me get this implicitly clear in Catholicism. Right. There is no Mary. There is Holy Mary, Virgin Mother of God, or the Virgin Mary. Mary yes. on its own, That you don't say that. Okay. That is Holy not the Mary, title. Virgin Mother of God, Mary. That's like calling Queen Elizabeth Lizzie. You don't be doing that. She's All got right. a title, you know, allegedly. Let know? me rephrase my question. Does the Holy Mary, Mother of Mary, God Mary Mary... Virgin. The Virgin Mary. Virgin. Before Jane the Virgin, there was Mary the Virgin, is what I'm saying to you, Sam, okay? <laughs> All right. And she does, was a big deal. Does Holy Mary the Virgin Mary, Mother of God... Pray for us sinners now and the hour of our death. Amen. Now, in the name of the Amen. <laughs> does Holy Mary, the Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Mary, Virgin Mary, does she canonically within the Bible remain a virgin post birth of Christ? You don't hear about her life pretty much after, after that. Like, uh, what does happen is she is uh, Jesus revisits Earth and she goes. The assumption she goes into heaven. Right. She's like the only person I believe canonically in the. Expand, expanded Catholic Bible cinematic universe, universe. <laughs> yeah. where Jesus comes down and goes guess what we're going to heaven boom and it's not like you're going to die and then you're going to go to heaven it's like you and I right now like living Mary canonically in the Catholic faith went straight up to heaven, up to heaven. and she assumed her place as the queen of heaven the virgin Mary. Mary. Right. Now, okay, that's it. Sure. You, you hear fuck all about Joseph fuck all about their relationship because it's superfluous Hmm. To Mary, who's got not one, but two fucking prayers. Hail Mary? Yeah, let's go advance. How about some Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy? Hail our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To you we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To you we set up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn them, O blessed Virgin, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, grant us the fruit of thy womb, Jesus! I was deliberately not saying anything, so we had a clean take of that, so I can add some beats underneath it. I can't believe I remembered that. (laughs) That was impressive. The Nicene Creed, I had to look up before we did it. That one, boom. And that's that's advanced. That's not like, you won't be saying that. Like, if you say that in mass, that's like the equivalent of the Pixies going, we're going to play some B-sides here tonight, guys. Like, whoa. All right, okay, I'm here for some uh, Bailey's Walk, but I'm not sure if the, the rest of these normies are going to get it, like. But whatever you want, Frank, you're the man in charge, uh, brackets the priest. Yeah. You know? Now, while it's not necessarily canonical within... Casol- cath- oh. oh. Now, cathanonical, it could be a word we could could opt here to use. Sorry, cath... What? Cathanonical. Cath- while it's not necessarily cathanonical... Well, it's not... Catholic canon. Bethany is within this canon, within the viewers' universe, the great, 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 great niece of Jesus. Yeah. Cool. And after this, she's like, ah, why why me? Why have I been shouldered with this responsibility? Alan Rickman's back, walking on water to be like, I had to say this to Jesus himself. And he didn't want to be Jesus. But he had to be Jesus. And you have to be Jesus' great niece. Which is 
You're not going to get crucified, so it's pretty much all right. Like, no, nice. that's fine. It's all right being a descendant of Jesus. You wouldn't want to be Jesus. Now do as we say, or I'll shoot this Catholic cannon at you. <laughs> and then Alan Rickman, classic move here, he teleports him to a posh restaurant. Yes. And I wrote down here, they have a slap-up knees-up. <laughs> they, they, are they eating food in this? Uh, no, Jay's got brandy. Right, okay, cool. Also a very kind of... That's what a child would drink when they were trying to be like a grown-up and drink. Um, bleh, brandy. Gross. I hate brandy. And I, I like a lot of liquors. I like, mm. like a lot of strongly flavoured things. I understand a lot of people, you know, they have a softer palate. You know, ugh, you know, no one would want to taste anything too. But brandy just gets under my skin and into my soul in a way I don't like. Oh. Like, right. I don't need to drink paint thinner because I've drunk brandy enough to know that that's maybe a similar experience. Yeah. But it's revealed now that God is missing. Yeah, just like in a Preacher. Is that a thing? God's gone yeah, missing. Yeah, God's missing, like in Preacher. Like Mario God, is missing. And because what, <laughs> what happens is it, it, God likes to visit Earth, like in Preacher, and uh, go incognito in the disguise, like in Preacher. And, and Kevin Smith likes comic books. And, and do things, you know, that humans do. You might think, why would God do that? It's like, well, you know, in Preacher, God does that as well. So I may be reading too much into this, but I really feel that's like, that's the biggest one for me. Yeah, right. Because God likes to assume human form and play skee-ball every now and then. Yeah. But he's been um, captured or held captive by Azrael. Yeah, he's in Bowser's castle, church. mate, I think. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what's going on. So, but Jay, quite smartly, because he's a little dink and he doesn't know anything, but he smartly suggests, why don't we just get George Carlin to close the church and then they can't get in because it'd be closed. Boom. Okay. And then they try that and he says, no. And he's having none of it. He's not having any of that. Uh, and then... Kevin, he's a Catholic... Kevin, Kevin, he's a, he's a Catholic priest. He's having none of it. I tell you, he's having he's having none of it. Sam, he's a cardinal. Show some respect. No, you know, come on. That was your cardinal mistake. Uh, I I preferred having none of it, but uh, <laughs> sure, they're, they're both technically jokes. So Azrael hostageifies them and gives them the worst form of torture possible. Long amounts of exposition, and Selma Hayek's there as well to help with the exposition. So at length, we find out that. Azrael was also amused. He didn't fight during the heavenly war between Lucifer and God. And yep. because he didn't fight, because he was a fucking artist, he gets sent down with all the rebels down to hell. He hates being in hell. He wants to end existence. How did he get back up to Earth? He said he was going up on a routine possession and he right. got them downstairs to let him do that. Now, here's where things lose me a little bit. Yeah. I, oh, fuck, I just said I'm not going to point out plot holes but this is a no, massive go on. one go on. Go he on. doesn't want to exist anymore right he like it's yeah. a nihilist thing he like he hates his existence so yeah. like let's fucking do it let's end existence that is his actual plan yeah they kill him and he's like no what, what are you fucking what's wrong you're oh, dead yeah. happy yeah right yeah what did you think was going to happen when he's like yeah, come on, you get killed. You'd be yeah. fucking mad happy. Yeah, he gets killed because they hit him with a golf club that has been blessed by the Cardinal. Yeah. 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 And then and then they kill the hockey kids by blessing the water. And they're like, wait, mm. how's this gonna work? Well, it's the last sign, you got holy powers. It's more oh great, thanks for the exposition in the action scene, which it's it's hardened to do, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, that's usually why in the Avengers we have action and then a scene where there's like rain on a windowsill and they all sit around in their pajamas kind of going, well, maybe I don't want to be an Avenger anymore. <laughs> well, maybe you should grow a pair, Robert Downey. Come on. I, I think at any turn that we get gunk, we should talk about the gunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we're being hit with the golf club, black gunk within oh, him. baby, black gunk. Oh, bleh, bleh. It'd be oh. rich. Very rich. Yeah. It's mm. too black to be marmite. Do you think it would taste sweet or savoury, that gunk? That, to me, tastes, would taste like caviar, I think. Yeah? yeah I've never it, tried caviar. It has that blank inkiness to it, like, you know. Okay. Like in the episode of Frasier, where they have to eat, like, loads of caviar to stop them being have caught with caviar? it. Yeah, I have had caviar. Is it nice? I fucking love it. Joan, she's to me. She got me, like, it's like, and it's the thing, I was like, caviar? What's your, on our budget? It's like, it's £3.50. You know, happy no, Christmas, you no, know? No, it's, it's the food of the landed gentry. It's it's not affordable. Not if you, not if you have lumpfish caviar, which is <laughs> definitely the... Uh, it's it's definitely the working class, the working man's caviar. Um, sure. I love it. It is intensely salty and fishy. If you like okay. salty, fishy flavours and the taste of the sea, then you'll like it. If you don't, you don't. On its own, horrible. Right. Really, it's too much. But with a little bit of cream cheese... And on, a, on a little cracker, it's heavenly. And now, folks, Kevin's hungry. <laughs> we'll all go out for caviar after this. Yeah, let's bust <laughs> yeah. it out, like, you know. So, N64, Ben Affleck starts uh, killing folks at the at the launch, the opening here. Now, there's some yes. light Protestant bashing at the start of the ceremony, which I thought was really good. But, yeah, Havoc starts when these polygons get out of hand there. And, you know, that that was a hateful animation, that was. I mean, they've, they really kind of... they've. Everyone's dying, aren't they? They're picking people up, flying them about, and dropping them just to, to kill him. And uh, he kills Matt Damon as well, pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, Loki kind of thinks, "Hey, you've gone too far, Bartleby. You, you no, you're a wrongin." And he gets stabbed in the side, and that's that's oh, Matt he Damon. Stuck gone. him. He stuck him, didn't he? Yes. Now, Kevin. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was very confused at the bit where they were like, Jay was trying to have. Last minute apocalypse sex with Bethany. Yeah. And he mentioned a man who was in a coma or something on life support. John Doe Jersey. John Doe Jersey. Yeah. I did not understand what was happening here. I had to, this is a thing where I had to look it up on Wikipedia and realize what had happened. The, the man who was attacked at the start by the hockey kids. Yeah. He then was in a coma and on life support. And God is trapped in there. And that, that was God's. And they mention John Doe Jersey when she goes to mass at the start of the movie. There's a yes. long chat from the uh, the priest about that. But they might as well have went over there. That's where we need to go. Because <laughs> I think honestly, that's that. Like I didn't, I didn't care. It's about nearly it. the end. Yeah, Come quickly, on. let's go yeah. over there. You know, now that we've cut out the final fight scene, there's fuck all left to do. Like, yeah, Jay has a cool moment where he shoots Ben Affleck's wings with his Uzi. Mm-hmm. But that's that's playing into his hands, though, because that's made him human. Which makes him mortal. Why didn't they just kill him? Oh, yeah. They're like, no, now he's now he's mortal. What are you doing? Now he's not immortal. How are we, we meant to stop shoot him, him in the now? Head. You save a bullet. Yeah. I, had, I, I turned to Joe at this point and I said, I've got this theory that any five people can overpower any one person. Like, you think so? I think so. Any pro- one person. Provided they're all, you know, able-bodied and they're all adults and something weird yeah. or anything like that, I'm pretty sure just the numbers game alone that any five people could could have a go all right. at taking out one person. 
because well, uh, what if it was Chuck Norris, right? Because <laughs> he's it's so powerful. And he, well, and well, Sam, it. I'm in 1989. There's no need to go 2004 on me here, okay? <laughs> All right, I know you want to desperate to go back to the future, but increments. If you go too fast, too quickly, you get a nosebleed. All right, maybe uh, there could be a top tier on Patreon. Mm. And it's limited to only, like, assuming you're cool to be in it with me. And there's sure. three spots, and you can join our hypothetical five-person murder troop. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> do you want to see if we can do it? If not, no harm, no foul. If so, we need to have our plans together and have our stories straight. The patron will be deleted. <laughs> That's the highest tier. The tier below that is being the person that we try and overpower. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. pay a little bit less, you can be that person and try and defeat us. <laughs> Um, so, Bethany brings back John Doe, John Jersey John. Yeah. From his, it unplugs the life support, but that releases God. God appears in the church, and God is a woman. I think that was established by Serendipity earlier. Yeah. God is a woman, and it's Alanis Morissette. Very ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Alanis Morissette's here. I love that because Ben Affleck is like, you know. You know, in tears and all that, and she's like, "Oh!" She puts her hand on him. He's like, "You know, everyone, cover your ears now, because she's about to do it." And then it's like, "Is I ready?" <laughs> you know, he fucking does him in, mate. You know, yeah. And he kind of just accepts it, doesn't he? He's like, "Well, I've, I've and he's like, this, ah, mate. who would have thought, Sam? It figured, like, you know, no." But Alanis Morissette doesn't have the silly voice. I thought there was gonna be a silly voice happening. She does go, Meh. "Oh, she's just a little boop." Yeah, she boops Bethany on the nose when Bethany is like, "Why are we here?" And she gets a little boop. That's fine. Jay gets a, gets kissed by God. Dude, <laughs> you got kissed by God. And then I think he talks about like how God's hot or he wants to shag God or something. Probably I can't remember. A serious manic pixie dream God then goes picks wildflowers and does handstands. Listen yeah. to the Smiths with me in the rain. I'm your Lord Almighty Father God. Oh, there's a Karate Kid reference because yay. Bethany dies for some reason when she, she dies because she, she heard the voice when God woke up. You say. Oh, okay. That's why she dies. Then God, God resurrects her. Wax on, wax off. Alan Rickman is saying that he's referencing pop culture. Do you like now that we can watch? Like this is a movie that can only it. be watched now at this point in the cinema swirl timeline. Is that I get can, a lot of the references? Yeah. Although you weren't able to get the indie reference, you know. No, but uh, you know, uh, close. And Bethany is now pregnant. She's been made pregnant. A lot is happening in this final scene. Bethany's pregnant with the last true scion because God has impregnated her. Cool. And the the, the fantasy characters, so Serendipity, Chris Rock. <laughs> um, There's so many fucking characters at this and point. And Rickman, they all go back to heaven, and God goes back to heaven, and the rest of the gang, Jay, Silent Bob, Bethany. It's like, whoa, that was that was mad. And the film ends. Credits, and then it's like one of the other Alanis Morissette songs that you all know really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam, I feel like uh. I've, been, I've been really harsh on it, and I didn't mean to harsh your buzz, as the no, wee no, boys no. themselves would say. But how did you get on? Have you had a time to digest it? Like my main question with it was like, how funny was it for you? Like, did you did you, did you laugh? I don't know if you count laughs. Like, were you? Because it's a true test if you're watching it on your own whether or not you laugh. I always find so. Did you? Was yeah. it titters, chuckles? Where were we? There were no actual laughs. Really? The, genuinely not. There, there are a few bits where I thought that's funny, 
I could I could appreciate that it was funny or like I thought oh that's quite smart or that's quite clever. It's <sighs> I hate when it happens at stand-up gigs when everyone just thinks that's funny and like show me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Was there okay, was there yeah. a small like ethereal ghost-like child Sam beside you who was 11 mm. going <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I could feel the presence of a younger me thinking this would be the fucking bee's knees hilarious shit. Mm. And there were cynical old man chappers over here. Just thinking, well, I'm, uh, it's fine. I think also, this might have been funnier to me if I'd have known a bit more about Catholicism, maybe? I, I mean, know. you've had the crash course on this fucking part. Sam, you're in a better position than most Protestants to enjoy this movie, okay, given what you've sure. went through on this podcast. Yeah, I mean... To be honest, this is ostensibly a podcast about movies. It's really... You're not educating me about films. You're educating me about our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Bit by bit, basically. Yeah, yeah. sure. And in return, you will give me the recipe for the dreaded tiffin. <laughs> it's a fair, fair deal. Tradesies, right? Tradesies. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Chris Rock's character, the reason why he wanted to do any of this was to put right the perceptions of the apostles or something. I feel we've been talking for a long ass time, <laughs> right? And here's yeah. the thing. Even when talking for a long ass time, and a few asides aside, mm. this still feels like there's millions of concepts and big ideas and philosophical talking a points. A lot thrown in there. And a lot of stuff that we didn't even get a chance to, to get in. And that's another one yeah. where they talk about, like, that the Bible, because it was written by men, you know, that God becomes a, a, a man in it, and that the 13th yeah. apostle gets written out because he's black. And, you know, there's a lot There's a lot of big ideas that I feel mm. are strong strong enough to be movies in their own right. And I wonder if he kind of kicks himself a bit that he threw so much high he threw concept all his stuff. religious stuff into one thing, didn't he? Yeah. He all his religious eggs in one basket. Uh, uh, for someone who podcasts a lot, I'm surprised that Kevin Smith wasn't a bit more conscious about the content that he was, you know, throwing away for a little kind of... This is pre-podcasting. Obviously it is. now... It is. You wouldn't get Dogma, you'd get Patreon extra bonus content. <laughs> That's what this would be. But at the time, it's like, well, it, I'll have to make a movie, and then people have to buy a ticket, which was what people used to do pre Patreon. So you didn't laugh a lot, you accepted it as a funny movie. Yes. Next one on this kind of list of the post analysis here. Sure. Would you want to watch any more Kevin Smith movies? Yes. That's the weird takeaway. Even though I didn't find this particularly funny, I did find it quite interesting. And I wasn't bored. I will tell you that for nothing. I was never bored at this. Well, that's a good so, sign. For, for a movie think, that yeah. was long. It, it long, was a long Wordy. And... I was never bored. I was always kind of interested and engaged with it. Um, I just wasn't, like, laughing a lot. It's, it speaks to both the, the great cast, by yeah. and large, the great cast. I, I, thought, I think the, the lead in this, she, she's, I think she suffers from the fact that she, all the funny lines are given to everyone else but her. You know? Yeah. And, I and feel she like just it, has to do this kind of dry supposedly maybe audience surrogate kind of sarcastic mm. what's the deal with what you're talking about what's this why wouldn't god do that himself you know that kind of thing that just it doesn't come across as likable really yeah, yeah yeah she she she's possibly a weak point in this movie but mm. i think yeah given the fact that it's so talky and so like oversaturated with ideas and content which usually would yeah. make a, a horrible viewing experience the fact that it's still you know not boring and very fun to watch mm. speaks very highly of it 
I think. And yeah. you are interested in checking out more of them. Are there any ones particularly that you would like to see from the votes and from the chats people have been having on, on the old Facebook and Twitter? I would like to see Clerks. Mm. I know that's particularly highly rated. I think that was his debut feature. Yes, and that, that I think that could be in Second Chance City Saints Saloon next time around. I think that would be interesting to watch. I mentioned this pre-swell. I mentioned this post-swell. I do think Kevin Smith, as a guy to listen to, is quite interesting. And by watching his films, even though his character, Silent Bob, doesn't talk, you are kind of listening to Kevin Smith's opinions and ideas. Mm. And while you might not agree with them, or you might think some of them are dumb, I was still interested in what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He's, He's an interesting lad. And I kind of feel bad in some respects, that because my fandom from him has lapsed, Mm. he's kind of stayed in this chrysalis of, like, my main memory of him now is kind of like, eh, then he stopped doing these movies and I kind of grew out with them and I don't really like him anymore. But, like, I know he himself, as a person and as a filmmaker, has grown up a lot. In the priest world, you asked me if he'd done any kind of dodgy stuff, and I was like, well, Mm. I don't know anything particularly, but I imagine that, A, a lot of the movies and the dialogue and a lot of the jokes have maybe aged badly, and B, on all those podcasts, he's maybe said or done some fucking shit, and I did a lot of reading up about him, and he totally owns the fact that, you know, Chasing Amy, for instance is mm. a hideous train wreck by modern standards. But he, right. he has come out and he said that, saying, like, yeah, if you watch it now, it's fucking hideous. I was 26, trying to think outside of my very small-minded box, and okay. I wasn't woke, I was waking up, is what he said. And I think that's that's big that, of him to do that's that. That's a good little quote. It is in it. I do and like that. He all, I mean, here's a filmmaker who started in his very early 20s, who, you know, if you're following him from that time, in like mm. 94, you get to see this guy grow up before your eyes and mature. Yeah. And something particular, I think, that is noted, notably good about him is that he, you know, his whole film career is tied... We don't like to talk about stuff like this, really, on this podcast. It's not mm. really, you know, the format for it. But, you know, Harvey Weinstein is a big name who was attached to Kevin Smith. Harvey yeah. Weinstein plucked him from obscurity and gave him a chance, got him funding, went to bat for him. He wouldn't mm. have had a career without him. And obviously, that's a bit of a poisoned chalice now. And he yes. said that he's going to donate all the residuals from all the Weinstein Company movies that he gets, yeah. which is a couple of grand a year. He's donating all that to women's shelters and abuse ah. charities and stuff like that. Which that's I think, good. you know, some people can point and kind of go, ah, he's just trying to make up for it, you know. Yeah, but it's still, you know. I think that that's a good... And he said if the Weinstein Company goes under, he'll give, like, the equivalent couple of grand of his own money. And I think that's that's oh. a nice thing. You know, I think yeah. that, that was the main thing that stood out of the research that I did. Yeah. You, you can't help when your stuff ages poorly, I guess, when you're still growing as a filmmaker. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's quite 100% there yet here in terms of, you know, firing and all. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, though. I've not watched much of his recent stuff. For many people, no. this is peak Kevin Smith. Mm. And I don't know if I could say... I, I really want you to see Clerks. Yeah, I'm I want to see it. I'm somewhat hesitant about some of his later movies because of such a harsh critical reception that he got. And yes. he, he's someone as well who went out and like got very pissy about critics saying like critics shouldn't you know exist you know they have no business they all they do is spread negativity and they should pay Even to see a lot of movies. what he does is kind of slag off other you know yeah pop culture stuff or have opinions about pop culture stuff i think on a cinema swill sam looking at mm. some of his critically mauled movies through the lens of what we know about him as a filmmaker not saying they're shit movies but saying they're poorly received movies we could take a look at some more of we could take a look at the jersey girl or gar or uh what are the garfield. other ones <laughs> <laughs> garfield <laughs> 
we could look at say we could look at say Jersey Girl yeah. or uh, Red or you know some of those ones which got a critical mauling which some people stand by you know the likes mm. of Red and Tusk and stuff like that but yeah I'll be interested to know I will have to hear what the Cinema Swirl fan base has to say but yes have you had a good time I have yeah, it, yeah. I, I I can admit that this wasn't a perfect film it it was quite a good film. It was of its time. What's the worst thing that like? What's the thing that sticks in your craw most about this? It feels a bit dated. There's a lot. I think it could be edited down a bit. Mm. I mean, so some of the negatives are also kind of in other ways positives because, like, I'm saying it could be edited down, but also some of the stuff where they're just chatting is kind of the interesting bit. It's a bit messy, isn't it? Like, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's the kind of some of this. These jokes are not great now but it wasn't too bad i guess i i thought when i watched this that this would be like kind of a real like you know you're talking to somebody who's basically whose who's job is you know going back and looking at stuff when i was a kid and hmm. the, the looking at it through nostalgia and rediscovering yeah. old wrestling has been a great joy of mine i don't feel inclined to watch a whole ton more kevin smith stuff no. other than for this podcast yeah yeah you know um, it didn't spark anything in me this rewatch the other thing i would say negative about this film is there's a lot of characters and often things feel a bit over explained and a bit muddled maybe mm. it's easy to get a bit lost here and not really get what's going on but kind of just sort of follow it yeah yeah you know? yeah so but i am still interested in his work and kevin smith as a person right as an artistic voice we are at this point now beating around the burning bush sam so why don't you give us your star wipe rating and make it official all right i'm gonna give dogma a solid three star wipes you heard it here first thank you for listening to another episode of cinema swell this episode was produced by kevin it was edited by me sam and the music was also by me if you'd like to support the show directly you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash cinema swell episode votes are on facebook over at facebook.com forward slash cinema swell we're on twitter that's at cinema swell and if you have something for the mailbag send it on over to cinema swell at gmail.com that's cinema swell at gmail.com if you enjoy the show please do recommend it to anyone else you think will enjoy it too and we'll see you next time on Cinema Swell. Bye. Bye. John Hughes? Hey Google, did John Hughes make Home Alone? Here's a summary from the website en.wikipedia.org. To avoid being pigeonholed as a maker of teen movies, Hughes branched out in 1987 by directing the smash hit planes, trains and automobiles starring Steve Martin and John Candy. I think yeah, he did. Home Alone was the top grossing... Hey Google! Shut up! up. <laughs>